Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. If you go back to work or go shopping in a store and then you get sick with the coronavirus, who's to blame and who should be legally liable? You know, one of Mitch McConnell's top priorities for any new coronavirus relief bill, as they debate this in Congress now, is shielding companies from many of the lawsuits that might be filed against them for inadequate precautions leading to people getting COVID. You've heard that, right? And locally, a bill in the New York State Senate is aimed at the same thing. So what's the right place for the line to be drawn? Because really, it's not all or nothing in most cases. Should certain good faith precautions be required to shield companies from lawsuits? What are the lessons from other kinds of risks where people can be sued? Joining me now to pick apart the details is an expert in this field, professor of law at Georgetown University, Heidi Lee Feldman. Professor Feldman, welcome to WNYC. Hello, thank you for having me. Professor Feldman, what's the starting point? Who's liable today if someone, let's say, gets coronavirus at work? Well, of course, uh, in my professor capacity, I say that's it's not so simple as just that question makes it sound. It depends on whether you can prove that your uh, particular case was caused at, by conditions at your workplace. That's really important to note because the baseline in tort law, which is what you, know, which is what you asked me about, mm-hmm. is that plaintiffs bear the burden of proof. In other words, it's their job to, in the first instance, prove against any particular defendant, a store, a employer, that not only was the defendant careless in the way they handled the uh, uh, their operations in light of uh, COVID-19, but they also have to show that their particular case was caused in that setting. For most cases, that's going to be difficult to prove given the out-of-control spread of the virus in the U.S. Um, even in New York, where it's more under control, if it's circulating anywhere other than at a particular workplace or business, mm-hmm. it may be difficult to prove causation. That said, if you can show carelessness and there's, let's say, a cluster of cases arising out of a particular uh, venue, a store, or your employer, you will have a prima facie tort case if the employer's precautions didn't conform to a standard known as the reasonable person standard. The employer must take all precautions that a reasonable person who's ordinarily prudent and care and pays due regard to the safety of others would take in these pandemic conditions. 
So if there's already a reasonable standard person that is the standard, I mean reasonable person standard, that is the standard in tort law already, why is Mitch McConnell so concerned about this? Help me understand the politics of this, because he talks about this every single day. And as this relief bill goes through Congress, you know, it looks like he's willing to give Democrats a lot of what they want on extending unemployment benefits. It looks to me anyway, like he's going to give Democrats a lot of what they want finally on helping to fund state and local governments with our coronavirus uh, emergencies uh, of revenue in the, at the state and local governmental levels. Um, what he keeps coming back to is, I want liability limitations. So if there's a reasonable person standard that's already kind of assumed in tort law, what more is he looking for and what is it that the Democrats are resisting? Well, Mitch McConnell, uh, along with almost the entire Republican Party, uh, uh, is hostile to tort liability generally. Uh, And that's because they represent business interests. And I don't only mean for-profit businesses, but that includes nonprofits as well. Um, Business interests and business would always prefer to have a uh, to be excused from liability because they would rather capture more of their profits uh, rather than have to invest in safety or pay damage awards. So, I mean, the politics of this, and it is politics from uh, uh, Mitch McConnell, uh, is that is that he's been uh, for his entire career. Uh, a foe of tort liability, of negligence liability, and this is just an opportunity to push that mm-hmm. agenda in a very dramatic context. So he's answerable. It, I should just say too, he's answerable ahead. to donors who really, really, really want this, and right. so that's you know the, the black and white of it. But it wouldn't be that there's never liability. It would be certain protections. So what's your understanding of where the line might be? So if I'm an employer and I'm not, um, you know, setting up social distancing rules for my employees, maybe that's negligent in a in a reasonable person kind of way that I'm not going to be protected even under um, whatever law Mitch McConnell wants to be passed. Or maybe the line is somewhere else. Help us understand what this would be and not be specifically. So Mitch McConnell, along with uh, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and the National Association of Manufacturers, is pressing for limiting liability to situations where uh, there's deliberate or reckless uh, misconduct by uh, an employer or a business, rather than merely careless behavior. And what they want to substitute is a standard that they call good faith, meaning if you did your best, that should be good enough to protect you from any claim that you've acted carelessly from a more objective point of view. So what's the difference Um, between, can you give us a COVID example of where the line is between careless and reckless? Yeah, uh, yes, I can. Um, So, and I should just say that the problem is very unlikely to be reckless behavior, although that would be, I mean, it's not that that never happens. Reckless behavior would be 
Um, people are falling sick at your workplace. You're told by uh, regulators or public health officials that uh, they're falling sick because of the way you're operating. You're told uh, that you should operate differently, and you just ignore all of that. That's a clear case of recklessness. It's a willful disregard for people's health. It's closer to setting out to actually infect people. Carelessness would be you, uh, uh, in order to save money, you decide that you're only going to give your employees two masks a week rather than a fresh mask every day. Hmm. So the, a reasonable person of ordinary prudence who is paying attention to safety might well choose to provide fresh PPE on a more regular basis, mm -hmm. but somebody who uh, is trying to protect uh, their profits might say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut a corner on masks. Black brother, black brother of hell. And as the pandemic continues, and even as phase four reopening begins today in New York City, as David was just saying in the newscast, so much remains shut down, and the impact continues to be disproportionate. I want to talk about the Paycheck Protection Program for a minute. Uh, we are seeing that black and other minority-owned businesses are going out of business at a higher rate than white-owned businesses, and there's some reporting that indicates black business owners are not being treated as well when they call to ask questions uh, about the PPP loans. There's a report by CBS, 40% of black-owned businesses, <clears throat> excuse me, not expected to survive the coronavirus. Um, I have one here from Ms. Magazine, which says recent research shows that black-owned businesses are closing at a disproportionate rate compared to white and other minority-owned businesses from February to April, and that just even as you know, goes through April, there's months since then, 41% of black-owned businesses closed their doors, the largest group of small businesses affected. Um, they're trying to figure out now in Washington, really getting down to it in earnest this week, what the next phase stimulus is going to be, what the next phase um, uh, small business loan program is going to be. New York is getting a disproportionately small amount of the loan money compared to other parts of the country. It's been reported, considering how hard New York businesses have been hit and how aggressively New York did shut down its economy to uh, get to the relatively good place we're at with coronavirus right now compared to other parts of the country. So we're going to get a view on this now and also invite your phone calls for Regina Smith, the executive director of the Harlem Business Alliance. Regina, thanks so much for coming on with us. Welcome to WNYC. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How's the Paycheck Protection Program doing for the businesses you represent? Well, as you uh, mentioned, it isn't meeting the needs of our black entrepreneurs. Uh, unfortunately, when the uh, first round of funding um, came out, we 
fully understood that we wouldn't benefit from it at all uh, because we knew that it wasn't enough money to meet the needs of um, small businesses across the nation and that you have to be connected uh, in order to be uh, protected. Uh, and even considered for funding. We don't have the type of uh, relationships with our lenders oftentimes uh, that many other businesses and larger businesses have. The uh, definition of a small business uh, is is um, really uh, uh, fascinating when you think about it because uh, for the most part, at least here in the Harlem business uh, community, uh, they our businesses are considered micro um, businesses and mm -hmm. uh, we work with micro entrepreneurs and so uh, the definition by the Small Business Administration of Small Businesses, you can have as many as 500 employees, which is really not a small business in our view. So, um, the criteria was uh was was pretty broad and um again we didn't have the relationships so when we saw that money fly out the window uh to uh the clients of uh national banks uh we we weren't surprised uh so when the second round of funding came around and of course uh there were you know a lot of complaints about the first round uh there was concerned about being um well submitting applications and having our applications uh placed at the bottom of the wait list because again the first round didn't meet the needs of uh businesses across the nation so uh and then there was a lot of confusion as to whether or not you could submit multiple applications because uh with the second round of funding, um, funds were made available to uh, CDFIs, and uh, we had some uh, within our community that we could uh, reach out to. Of course, they were um, overwhelmed with the applications that they received, mm -hmm. but people were submitting multiple applications just because they wanted to make certain that they received some funding. Yeah. Uh, and then we were told that if you submitted uh, uh, multiple applications that all of your applications would be um, dropped, you know. Um, and uh, so there was a lot of anxiety around that. Uh, the way information was communicated uh, within, within the community, uh, it was woefully inadequate. I mean, a lot of people don't watch um, uh, CNN or, or MSNBC or listen uh -huh. to the same radio, radio stations. So uh, it, it should have been... Um, uh, our local newspapers and uh, our radio uh, stations uh, should have been funded to get the message out. Uh, this mm -hmm. should have been a huge uh, media blitz. Uh, and community-based organizations that work in uh, black communities should have been funded to do the marketing outreach that's necessary and to provide the technical assistance. Because for some people, the application process uh, may have been relatively simple for some people, but for others, it was a little complicated. And if you didn't file your taxes, uh, that, that you could have a problem. Or if you pulled um, money out of your company without um, pulling it through a payroll account, you would have a problem. So mm -hmm. there, there were there were a lot of problems, uh, and continue to be uh, with the way this money has been. Um, uh, has has been uh, made uh, available uh, to uh, across the nation, and um, and and also there were there were issues about um, the the split, the seventy five twenty five percent split. The seventy five percent had to be used for payroll, right. and um, 
and uh and and then what's what's a forgivable loan you know how do you make certain that this loan becomes forgivable that 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 is a grant as opposed to a loan who in this predicament wants to take on more debt so then there's the the concern about adding to your burden you have rent that you have to pay. You have expenses that you have to pay. Your clients are, are, are having issues with their cash, cash flow, so that's affecting your cash flow. I mean, there are just so many different um, right. issues uh, and concerns that entrepreneurs need to be concerned about uh, and um, that, that weren't taken into account and still aren't being taken into account. Black babies cost less Today marked the 18th straight week of more than 1 million people filing for unemployment. That is a record level of claims. Even as Congress and the White House debate what should be done next, one challenge remains a constant for parents, and that is child care. It was difficult for many long before all of this, but the pandemic has magnified the problem, and it may prevent some parents from being able to return to the workforce fully. Paul Salman has a story. It's part of his regular reporting series, Making Sense. My husband and I have not had childcare since the pandemic started. We're now, I think, in day 110, but he's counting. All across America, working parents on the brink. It's causing me a lot of anxiety trying to figure out how I'm going to sustain it. Should I keep working or should I stop and be with my children? Because I just can't give them my full undivided attention that they deserve. The pandemic has shuttered schools, summer camps, sidelined virus-vulnerable grandparents. The result, some 18 million Americans have no one to care for their young kids. How tired are you? Pretty tired. Policy analyst Jaspreet Chowdhury and her husband are juggling working at home and parenting their two kids, which means late night shifts after the kids hit the hay. I've heard a lot of parents and people just saying that they're drinking more wine. I would say I'm drinking more coffee. You don't look tired. I've gotten so much better at putting on makeup. I feel like RuPaul would be proud. Can you say hello? Hi. Hey, how you doing? Single mom Sarah Cieslik, a home care aide, can't work from home. While her kids sleep in her parents' basement, she works nights so she can watch them during the day. I'm always tired. Sometimes my kids will say to me, Mom, why don't you just go lay down and we'll play on our tablet for a little while. Childcare advocate Nina Perez can work from home, but how do you focus on the job while caring for a toddler? Every person I've worked with for the last couple of months has met my daughter on video. We had a very loud toy go off in the background and we just couldn't even hear anything. We had to stop the meeting. We had to go back. And we have flexible jobs. We have incredible... Suddenly I couldn't hear Perez. Why? She muted me. <laughs> but mental health care worker Leah Thomason says the more focus on the job, the less on the kids. During her work call... I'm trying to push my hand out to say, give me just a minute, and they can't wait that long, you know. So by the time I get off the phone, I'm screaming at them like, why couldn't you just give me that time? But then I have... I've even cried. I've even cried at night because I felt so guilty for getting upset with them when they really weren't doing anything wrong. They were just being children. Children as rattled by the pandemic as their parents. Check out this viral video moment. And everything has to be shut down for everybody to be safe. Yeah. And it's just not fair because everything that is fun also has to be shut down. Yeah. And the only thing that that is open is nothing. 
Thomason's kids are older, calmer, but relegated to their rooms when she confers with patients. As a result, she says, I feel like their brains are not forming the way that they should, being stuck with no communication to an adult or other children. Hi, Patrick. And remote grade school learning? I don't feel like they retain the information. I don't feel like they're as attentive as they normally would be. What percentage of the value of school are they getting when they're learning remotely, do you think? I'm going to go up about 20%. Assisted living coordinator Kenya Jones has an eight-year-old. She doesn't feel ready to go on to the third grade based on how her second year ended. Um, it was difficult learning Spanish and English virtually because she goes to a dual language school. So, and I don't know Spanish. Okay, but for younger kids, what about daycare? Well, it's unaffordable for most. What's more, about 20% of centers remain closed, and 86% of those that are open have fewer kids and are on the edge. We're operating at 12%, and we need to be at like 75% capacity in order to kind of break even. Dana Miller reopened a daycare center with plenty of protection, but it cost money. What's your guess as to how long you can keep going before it's all just too much economically? I want to say maybe another month. $3.5 billion in CARES Act funds went to daycares, but Miller says it isn't nearly enough. She made a YouTube video to publicize her fight to survive. What's going to happen if daycare centers close their doors and employees can't go to work? We're already seeing what happens. 13% of working parents right now are saying that they have either lost a job or reduced their hours directly because of the lack of childcare. Under new federal rules, some parents not working due to lack of child care can apply for unemployment benefits, some for limited family and medical leave. But economist Alicia Modestino says there are actually few good options. Six and a half percent of working parents have lost a job directly because of child care. And of those who have lost a job, most of it is falling on women. Tara Riley was given a leave from her cancer research job to watch her kids. She was called back this month, told she had to return to the office from 8 to 5. Her response? I will work 40 hours a week or more, but I can't be committed to being in front of a computer from 8 to 5. And they said, we will accept this email as your voluntary resignation. And that was that. And I wasn't asking for a lot of flexibility. What I really think it is is more that they were looking to shed a whole bunch of people and... Here's a whole category of people that we can just be rid of. Just Breathe Chowdhury thinks she may have to quit her job to care for the kids. But she says... I have stepped out of the workforce twice, once after each of my kids were born. And it was much harder than I expected it to be to re-enter. And there's still like a parenting penalty in terms of like promotion, career advancement. And I feel like if I did it again, it would just be devastating. At least she has a husband with a good job. But poorer families, many of them black and Latinx, have even fewer child care options, especially single moms, says economist Michelle Holder, watching her daughter while working from home. Women in situations where they can't afford child care and they can't rely on extended family or their community, you know, they have to look to scaling back hours. As single mom Kenya Jones has had to do without full-time care for her son. Fridays with no child care, (laughs) I either miss work or, you know, I find someone to watch them. Home care worker Sarah Cieslik, also single, reduced her weekly night shift hours from 40 to 24 to care for her sons, which obviously reduced her pay 
almost by half. I'm very fortunate to have food stamps. And so, as the economy, however haltingly, reopens, we're left with questions, like Michelle Holder's. What do we do with our kids? How do we make sure they're safe and well cared for? Because one third of women who work in this country are mothers. And if those with young kids can't work, says Nina Perez, how does the economy revive? I think we're really seeing the impact of decades of underinvestment in childcare. It's really been on the backs of the providers and parents for so long. And something that's so critical to our economy, to the ability for people to work. And now we're seeing this fragile system really break down because of it. For the PBS NewsHour, this is Paul Salmon. Night to several groups. They joined forces in the parking lot next door to Fire Station 1 and Winston-Salem to so show support for black firefighters. Hello, I'm Allison Smith. And for Michael Hennessy, they say allegations of racism, harassment, and intimidation have been met with silence. Tonight, they asked the community, aren't you tired? Because we are. This is not a first step. This press conference is the nuclear option. These men and women would not be here if they could have been heard. Monday night, black firefighters, past and present, addressed generations' worth of concerns they say were ignored by the Winston-Salem Fire Department. Why does a new young fire officer have to be greeted at his desk with a gorilla mask? Why do we have to tolerate the type of tying of nooses during training sessions without recourse or support? Why does the N-word ring loudly in stations throughout the city? The group leading the charge for change is Omnibus, a local group of black firefighters working to root out what they call institutional racism in their department. There are certain things that young men have been willing to come forward with and share with us, but they fear retribution, retaliation, um, not being promoted. Um, transferred to alternate stations. It's just, it, it runs the gamut. Omnibus is requesting the city of Winston-Salem follow and, if needed, modify its policies. They drafted the following list of demands. A few of those include the dismissal of Fire Chief Mayo for failing to serve all members of the department and residents of Winston-Salem. A thorough external investigation paid for by the city and by quarterly mandatory diversity training that starts in rookie school. We don't have people that are strong enough together to say, hey, this is our policy as it relates to social media. You know, the, the, the fire chief or fireman cannot post this or they're going to be held accountable. Then really, these men really don't have any protection. Supporters say these men and women deserve to work in a place where they are safe and their rights are respected. Just like you, the people of Winston-Salem, deserve to have a fire truck come to your house when your house is on fire, just like you deserve to have a fireman respond when you need them. Now is your obligation to respond when they need you. All right, Omnibus says they shared their demands with leadership in the Winston-Salem Fire Department over 15 days ago and are still waiting for a response. We also reached out to the department and were told they are not commenting at this time. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 24th. 2020 so I have been told have to forgive me Mm, mm, mm. 
had to take my last swallow. Had my uh, smoothie, amazing beets. <laughs> Lots of great beets this summer. Anyway, <clears throat> our weekly broadcast, Neutralizing Workplace Racism. Many different portions of the audio segment stood out. What required another sip of smoothie? The final report, firefighters in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, Scotty Reed, founder of the Black Talk Radio Network. They reported racism, white supremacy, they or institutional racism at the fire department said a young firefighter she should not have to deal with you know the n-word being used nigga this nigga that at the fire department shouldn't have to deal with nooses being tied left and right around the station and then right out of the mouth of retired firefighter in Florida shouldn't have to deal with gorilla masks being brought into the station it's 2020 in the middle of a public health crisis and we are still talking about gorilla masks I'd say it's embarrassing on one hand but I mean we are in the system of white supremacy and these black males there was video of that wasn't just audio so all these black males and black females are out protesting in the middle of the Rona crisis they had to, they, they lost the Republican National Convention for more years in North Carolina because of the Rona so it's serious in North Carolina and they're out protesting in Winston-Salem they got their masks on and everything can you please stop calling us niggers and bringing nooses and gorilla masks to the fire department might even have to do the promotional video and, and if you could refrain from urinating in our beverages and clothing that would also be appreciated thank you add that to the diversity training what in the world? I mean, they got you, know, you got the tacky sign here that says we're all in this together, right? The Rona and, you know, we're all we got each other's back. We got your back and all that other nonsense. And then the fire department, not McDonald's or whatever, the fire department. We still got to We don't have face masks. We got gorilla masks. There is a reason every week. Even during the Rona, we have workplace racism. If you get a job at the fire department, expect there to be a gorilla mask and maybe urine in your beverages. Whew, man, uh, let's see. Number again, I guess we shouldn't be surprised because there have been a whole lot of those reports over the years about the uh, white supremacy tackiness at the uh, fire department. Anywho, let's see. New number, 720-716-7300. Again, new number. I think the old one still works, but just, you know, transitioning along. New number, 720-716-7300. The code is the same, 564-943-POUND. Press star six one if you would like to join in. Not a broadcast for spectators. Uh, this is historic, as they say. 
if we make it through all this, we might be looking back one day. Remember back when there were no quarters? Every white person on the street had a gun trying to get through the Rona face mask and all couldn't get hand sanitizer or toilet paper. Man, 2020. How did we survive? Not for spectators. If you have updated your code for neutralizing racists in your workplace, if you updated your code for making sure that you are safe in the workplace, social distancing, masks, whatever it is, that would be great information. If you're having difficulties and would like counter racist logical suggestions to try to help solve problems without creating new problems, feel free to share. If you are not able to dial in, you can drop an email, the email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com. We can read your commentary on the air. Keep it anonymous, uh, either if you have a situation or if you have suggestions to offer. Uh, go back through some of the audio reports quickly or not quickly. But just the portion about the liability in the workplace, uh, I think, is super important. Uh, that might be something uh, in terms of policy and procedure uh, to be mindful about if it's been updated. But just uh, knowing your workplace situation, are they being negligent about PPE? Are they being neg- negligent about distancing? Are they still having luncheons and all the rest of that? Having people come in and bring food, potluck dinners and all that. That might be good information to know. And the not reporting, because I've heard a lot of that, even some of our listeners where you're in working and a lot of folks have said they work with a lot of white people in particular who are not taking this serious, not wearing masks, not social distancing, hanging out, high fiving, chest bumping everybody in the office. And then you come and find out. I don't say you've been working. Ned has been coming in, been working there for two years or whatever. And then all of a sudden you come in today. It's like, man, Ned hasn't been here for about the past three days. Where's Ned at? Did he? Is he still working? I said, oh, yeah, Ned, he'll be back uh, probably about 11 days. And some people have said 11 days. He's already been out three days. That's for is he quarantined? Like what? Does Ned have the Rona? Like, what's going on here? Then they find a little, oh, well, maybe it seems that one of our employees might have been quarantined, but everything is still good. We've still got donuts in the snack room, and yeah, we're chugging along. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Share that information immediately. Maybe we want to get tested or at least, you know, get a few extra alcohol swabs or something, but we have heard that from a lot of listeners. I know I have. I've shared some of them, and folks have wrote in as well, but that might be something to be mindful about uh, in terms of liability in your workplace. That might be something to check for your state, your region, your job specifically. Quality information to know. Uh, the next report, <clears throat> uh, and particularly for what they call frontline essential workers, disposable workers. Man, might be really good to know about liability. We had some of the uh, public transit operators who were saying that like what in the world what's going on here they're not looking out for our safety and then you know all the rest of it uh man i am not a parent i've said that for years with no qualifiers nothing to add shut my mouth I had not considered uh, the impact in terms of parents. And I had heard folks saying that with school looming, that that is a big deal uh, for parents who, you know, for a lot of folks said it was kind of tough 
uh, for March, April, you know, whenever the school year ended to navigate, you know, those, those few months or weeks or whatever it was while children were not in school, like, Ooh, we, if that ends up being something where it's a full academic year or even a half of an academic year, wow, uh, a lot of parents like, man, that would have a huge impact uh, just in terms of time and energy. And I think for a lot of parents, it's not that they would not want to homeschool their child. It's that they don't have the time and energy to do that. They have to work. Uh, and so if you're working 40, 45 hours a week, like, man, how do I even find time uh, to do homeschooling? Are we going to come home and do that at eight o'clock at night or 10 o'clock at night? Do homeschooling? Like, how is that going to work? Whew. Man, if we have parents who are trying to navigate that, if you know, if it's impacted your work schedule, uh, trying to make sure that you have adequate care for your children because I know a lot of uh, daycare facilities uh, have different hours if they're still open at all and then even older relatives may or may not be an option because you know the distancing can't be around and man I am not a parent I cannot imagine how stressful all of this uh, must be just trying to be a victim of racism and then you're an attempted parent and wow Uh, the portion about black businesses we have talked about black businesses a lot. And I thought that was significant for a lot of reasons because I have seen quite a few reports uh, on mainstream outlets. This is not, you know, small uh, like news sites and things. This is not like just something isolated to black agenda report or for Harriet, like major uh, outlets like the uh, Washington post and NPR and other outlets have said, Oh, Wow. Negro businesses have seen a big, you know, Rona boost, you know, after all the protests and toilet paper shortages, like, man, people are going online and trying to look and find black businesses to support them. Now, that might be happening for some folks. That could be. They said some black bookstores, especially like are doing really well. People want to get literature on reading about racism. Awesome. I hope they go into the black bookstore and, you know, buy 50 thousand copies of you know the isis papers yurugu and mr fuller's work anything else they think is you know spectacular uh but i don't know i also have heard folks saying uh black business owners where they haven't been able to operate things got shut down people are staying at home black restaurant owners and the like i've heard a lot of that uh not getting assistance with the loan programs heard some of that uh, in the audio segment, that seems reasonable uh, to me. Like I said, I'm sure there might be some black businesses where they're getting a boost, you know, from all of this. Fantastic. I hope it continues exponentially. However, I could also see a lot of black businesses being in that category where they're being treated rudely, racism being practiced against them when they call to try to get resources, uh, where they talked about the information was not being uh, disseminated to black people. In a matter that w- where they could access it, whether you have people going around talking to folks, doing some social distancing, whether you have it on the radio, email, wherever it needs to be, but making sure they have all the information so they can adequately fill out the forms. They said that was some of it. People not knowing how to fill out the forms correctly, not knowing that there were going to be punitive actions taken. Like if you fill out multiple forms or if you go to multiple banks, going to be punitive actions. We'll cancel all of the forms. Uh, not knowing all that. That's why Dr. Cambon sometimes he'll say, hey, black people are at a disadvantage. White people know things that you don't know and or they know information before 
you are aware of it. Really important. That's why we talk a lot of times in the workplace context, getting information, getting resources on the job where you can get accurate information in a timely manner, accurate information in a timely manner. I thought that was so important because even though this is a workplace context, it sounded so similar to me to Hurricane Katrina when you have another disaster situation and it's all right, let's get the information. So what information do I need if I'm a black entrepreneur and I want to file to get uh, a loan? Uh, for uh, a loan that's going to be forgiven or whatever it is where I get that information. They make it difficult. Maybe I don't get that information. Maybe I don't get it in time. Same thing with Hurricane Katrina. Well, where do we go to get, you know, rescued? Where do we go for safety? Go to the convention center. Oh, and you try to go there. No, no help. there. <laughs> try cross the Crescent City Bridge. You try to do that. Oh, armed white people. Yikes. Which way? What do we go? No information end up being confused. That tends to be a pattern when there's an emergency situation and black people being last to get accurate information. Next. Let's see the the parents. Yeah, the firefighters, the gorilla mascots. We talk so much about the firefighters. I can't really say a whole lot about that other than just being stunned in the midst of the Rona and everything else. We are still with bananas and gorilla masks at the fire department. North Carolina can do better, but tacky, trashy, terroristic under all circumstances. The emails. Uh, Again, my address until justice at gmail dot com. Lots of emails. If you are refining your workplace code, given all of the uh, chaos, do so. Continue to do so. I mean, refining your workplace code to make sure that you are safe. Refining your workplace code uh, to make sure that racism, white supremacy is not being practiced against you. Lots of reasons to be very active and alert in the workplace under these circumstances. All right. Let's see. Report number one. Black male writes in. Uh, he says, I'm a truck driver in Ohio, red in Ohio. Uh, I encountered a white woman that told me if people don't wear masks, it's a fine with her. She'll love to sit on her butt and make an extra $600 a week. The only response I gave was. Hmm. Could this be behind the mask resistance? The sweet comfort of good old socialism. I could be incorrect. Uh, White people. I'm even going back to make sure I, I got it correct. So this white woman says in quotes, if people don't wear masks, it's a fine. With her, she'll love to sit on her butt and make an extra $600 a week. So is, is that mean that she just wants to sit around and snitch on people for not wearing a mask? Is that it? Is that's what I'm doing? That's what I'm going to sit out on the porch and just keep track. You're not wearing a mask. I'm handing out fines. Is that what it, cause they, they, they have said it's been a whole lot of that white people that are just sitting around snitching such and such left, such and such is not social distancing. This person doesn't have a mask on. It's been a lot of that. I don't know if she would be getting the funds uh, for the snitching, but I mean, man, uh, in that one, any of that, they even have uh, reports talking about this. People that are coming out 
either people that are being aggressive, they want to police and or people that are not wearing a mask and they have tips and strategies. Mine is a big non-engagement. I think that, hmm. And then keep it pushing. Especially if I don't work with this white woman. He said he's driving his truck like we're not in the cab together or anything. Like, psh, get my mask, my keys. Is my rig ready to run? Catch you all later. Thank you kindly. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Not getting into a debate, argument, nothing. Talking about not snitching on other folks who didn't have a mask on. None. Matter of fact, you're supposed to be social distancing. Not hanging out to chat about nothing. <laughs> Might be trying to snitch on me for something. Make sure I got my mask with me and keep it pushing. Uh, sneak in one more email quickly and then we'll get to the phone line. Black female victim of white supremacy. She writes in. As a contact tracer, I had to contact a white woman who just got back from Florida, which is a hot spot, isn't it? Indeed. When I was working an office job, I noticed that white people love to cough and clear their throats when they are around a black person or just simply when a black person walks by. I've heard that from other people to walk by. Now, this woman who just got back from Florida was practicing racism when I was talking to her on the phone as she coughed and cleared her throat throughout the conversation. Now, I can't confirm. I can't. I can't confirm she is actively sick, but I do know she was practicing racism. So even though she tells me she has no symptoms, it's my job to notate the coughing and throat clearing, which would escalate her case. Now she will be monitored very closely by the state and will be getting nonstop calls and letters in the mail as they watch her. I was just doing my job. Bravo. Bravo, bravo. I guess other folks have you have you noted that when you talk to or I guess it's in when you're in the presence, not even necessarily talking, but talking or in the presence of whites, especially in the workplace, do they do an inordinate amount of, of coughing or uh throat clearing? Uh like I said, I think we have heard some folks who said that when they kinda walk by They'll, you know, do the coughing. And then some people have said when they have had white people who are kind of spying on them in the workplace, they'll cough and, you know, try and play it off. They're not, you know, watching you <coughs> and, and just keep, you know, keep their peepers locked on you. One of the other two. Let us know if you uh, are dealing with the white people coughing uh, in the workplace. If you uh, are doing any of the contact tracing spectacular I don't even view this as snitching or trying to be vindictive or someone is saying oh that's terrible how could you do that got that poor white woman got her in trouble and have people harassing her I think that's probably on the phone uh, form or what have you that might be in the training if you're going to do contact tracing like if you're talking to the person are they exhibiting symptoms are they coughing are they having difficulty breathing short of breath isn't that what they've been saying the symptoms and all that so if a person is doing all that might sound like they got some respiratory issues. Note all that down. <laughs> like, yeah, just doing my job. Anywho, email again until justice at gmail.com. We'll get to the rest of the emails as we proceed. The new number again, uh, 720-716-7300. The code 
564-943-pound. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Not for spectators. Uh, so if we have uh, attempted parents, if you know schools being closed or daycare being closed, uh, your, your normal sources for child care are not available, uh, if that's impacting your ability to work, uh, or you think it might be, especially with the school situation looming for the autumn, uh, let us know. Uh, if we got any black entrepreneurs, how has all of this impacted your business? That would be good to know. Like I said, I've heard a little bit of both, that it's been horrible and that it's been better. Or it has improved things, although I find that I'm a little more skeptical about the latter. But if we have entrepreneurs, feel free to share. Uh, liability that would be a good one also if folks have looked if there's been any update or information about your work environment and what your employer is responsible for with regards to a safe work environment that would be grand to hear as well again if folks have problems or if you have some successes things that have worked out well feel free to share star six one I will nab the folks uh, who dialed in with a hand up let's see Uh, uh, retired firefighter in Florida uh, with us nab other folks so I see hands greetings Gus greetings to uh, everybody uh, you know that gorilla mask in my uh, case was actually a victim was in the hands of a yes <laughs> yes but uh, it worked out uh, when I uh practiced some kind of codification and uh, spoke with him directly before he went into that uh, fire station with that mask. Uh, but uh, I also wanted to uh, announce uh, a uh, former co-worker's offspring who uh, is presently a Miami-Dade County firefighter uh, has been in, uh, I believe, ICU. Uh, they say the situation was uh, pretty bad uh, with uh, COVID-19. And uh, he was in need of, was in need of uh, plasma. The, the plasma, you know, from people who have had it before. Uh, last I did hear, he did receive did receive that. Uh, he is uh, uh, in a marital situation, and also uh, he, I believe, he has offspring. So that makes you know things even more complicated. Uh, hopefully, he would uh, things would work out. Uh, more than likely, he got it on duty. More than likely. Uh, the, uh, the environment that, uh, firefighters go into, the ones who actually, uh, work in, in the field, uh, even before this pandemic has always been, uh, extremely hazardous. You know, you never know on what you may, uh, come in contact with, a, a needle, somebody coughing on you in the rescue truck or something, you know, or on the scene that you're on. Uh, blood is always everywhere. 
uh, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so, uh, the danger is always there, but, uh, just wanted to, uh, mention that I, I heard the, uh, <laughs> the, the clip and I'm not surprised about any of that. Uh, I have always and myself and, and, uh, the guys that I, uh, worked with have always, uh, had a relationship uh, with non-white black people, that's where we desire to work in those areas on purpose. Uh, and uh, in turn, uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, lot of uh, uh, I guess the word is uh, uh, concern for black firefighters uh, in the areas. Uh, I'm not surprised about what uh, the people are doing. And uh, I like that. I really like that clip. That clip was uh, pretty, pretty good because that, that's somebody who recognizes on what uh, risks that are taken uh, on the job. But uh, other than that, uh, I'll uh, just listen in and chime in when I, uh, when I can. Thank you. Much about much obliged, uh, retired firefighter in Florida. Uh, I remembered uh, from your situation uh, that it was another victim uh, where you were able to use some black self-respect and uh, I guess use some logic, figure out the proper word combination to get him to put the gorilla mask down and let's go in here with a little dignity. We are not monkeys. Just trying to get this problem with racism solved. That is all. But I still reference that just because even uh, for ha- to have victims thinking that way, that that, you know, coming in with a, a monkey mask type of thing, that's just racism, white supremacy culture. Uh, Mr. Fuller has that segment where he says they have conditioned us so thoroughly, really brain trashed us so thoroughly that that's how we end up thinking and seeing ourselves a lot of time. But. Uh, yeah, I think the, the folks in uh, North Carolina, Winston-Salem specifically, lots of black self-respect. I've been to Winston-Salem, been to Winston-Salem State, uh, black so-called uh, historically black college university, as they say. Uh, but black self-respect uh, from them to recognizing the massive incorrectness uh, and particularly given, as you stated, all the hazards that you face as an attempted firefighter anyway got to go out and do this and battle blazes and you get a lot of medical calls I think you've talked about that before too all the different types of of dangers that you encounter for that job anyway and then a noose nigga this and nigga that it's not hero I thought that's the way that they talk you know about firefighters normally and police officers like oh wow standing ovation this is you know salt of the earth best people that we you know nope just another nigga Monkeys and niggers, that's about all we got here. Yeah, you know, in, in the races, in the races, they are very much aware of our collective and, in, in some cases, individual condition when we get on these jobs. And unfortunately, a lot of us get on these jobs, and this goes beyond the fire department, but, but it, it's brought out easier on a job like uh, the fire department because you, you are around these white people for 24 hours and there is there is a practice 
of social gathering in this social and political gathering in these environments. And, uh, and a lot of non-white black people I've noticed come on a job looking for acceptance, looking for a friend. And that gorilla mask that that black male was about to go into that meeting with, I think was a part of that, uh, uh, need for acceptance. And, uh, uh, because it gets to the point that whereas from my experiences, the white people expect comedy central to come from, uh, non-white black people in these meetings that we would, that we would have, you know, like once or maybe twice a month. You know, it looked for some kind of com- uh, uh, comedy central uh, uh, to break things up, that sort of thing. They quickly found out that I wasn't with that, and they just left me alone. Uh, I, I, that, that was one of the reasons why I was able to exist through 20 and a half years, because they, you know, they did, that, that was quickly was something that, well, that's not going to come from him. That right there, it's not going to come from him at all. Uh, 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 it, at first, they would say stuff that, that it would suggest that I need to be a part of the uh, team, and and I kind of like you know I look I I I come from a quote unquote care group of six people. I don't need you, you know, for anything like and and you know you can you can say that in that type of environment because I knew all of the rules anyway. So since the person brought it up, I had I had a uh, a. Uh, uh, the answer, so to speak, for whatever they were trying to uh, uh, come up with in a sinister way. But nevertheless, uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 something that I think all of us need to stay away from is coming on job looking for acceptance. That's it. Thank you. Context of white supremacy great points we're not there to be the entertainment committee uh in the workplace uh just being serious and they'll they'll even try to get you on that one sometimes oh man you're kind of aloof you know kind of quiet what's wrong with you why don't you speak up be a part of the family be a part of the team come on great we can do all the whatever you call hanging kicking it but i am not giving it a whole lot of jokes I'm not going to be engaged in a whole lot of tomfoolery. If we need to talk, let's talk. What do you want to talk about? Something happening? Fire truck broke down? Is there a fire? Thank <laughs> you. What do we? Let me know. What What are we talking about? And let's chat. But yeah, I'm I'm not just going to be here looking to get acceptance, validation, none of that praise. Even you know praise for for what I'm doing. Like you're a great firefighter. None of that. Nope. So make sure my paycheck is accurate and my hours are consistent and what they are supposed to be get my chances to get my promotions and raises and all the rest and try to get home safely. That's about it. Hopefully no urine in my beverages. Thank you. Uh, I did want to make sure I got it as well. Like, man, uh, we've had a number of listeners uh, who have called in to report over the maybe last three months or so about people they know uh, or friends of friends who, you know, have contracted the virus again, take it seriously uh, but quite a few folks uh, who have dialed in just wow and, and 
some of these areas that are supposedly hotspots, uh, Florida and some of the other places, uh, man, I hope folks are, are social distancing and all the rest. I think retired firefighter said that this victim may have contracted on the job, uh, another firefighter with all the, the hazards and different emergency situations where you might be, uh, called to provide service An essential worker. I think that would be another, uh, if you're a fire, a firefighter, essential worker. Wow. that. Right there, I suspect there's been quite a bit of that. In fact, uh, the victim who just wrote in, black female, she just she said that's what she's seen a lot of uh, with her work as a contact tracer. That it seems like a lot of the black people who have got this, they're essential workers. Seems like they got it somewhere along the way, having to go to work, being out and about, all of that. Seems like they might have put themselves in harm's way. So or the system of racism, white supremacy, individuals classified as white, put them in harm's way. Anyway, uh, hope, hopefully, uh, your friend, this victim, he will recuperate quickly and get all the resources and help he needs, man, take it seriously. Uh, number again, seven, two, zero, seven, one, six, Seven three hundred, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Uh, while folks are spectating, uh, if you are doing that spectacular under these conditions where there is nothing happening on your job to report like there's no problems you all have all the personal protective equipment no issues if you need time of work away from work there's social distancing they're taking it serious if you need to work from home no problem we'll catch you we'll set up a zoom conference we'll make sure that we have adequate security there'll be not one penis on the screen and we'll cut it. We'll get it taken care of. Matter of fact, stay at home for the next month. No problem. If that's the type of work situation you have, well, then spectacular. We still do need people working on the code from the work from home component because that is important. And even within that, wow, with all of this, like how long is this going to last? Have you looked at the liability policy? Has the policy and procedure changed for your workplace? Are they implementing any security uh, imp or any security if you're going to be working from home if that means you have to have one of their machines to take home or using some of their software programs whatever it is quite a bit so it would still be a or it would still be a situation where there would be lots to be observant alert about be in Toronto also heavily encouraged man make sure <clears throat> you ask uh, now she's in uh, Canada, obviously, so might be a little different, you know, depending on where you are ge uh, geographically. But for her, she was talking about, I think it's hero pay. I don't know if they call it that here in the States, but essential workers pay, bonus pay, hero pay, whatever it is. Uh, any sort of bonuses in compensation uh, during all of this, you might have to go and ask because that was the situation that she described where she had to go in. Oh, did we get? the uh, funding yet for our hero pay 
or whatever it is, essential workers pay. She had to go ask and ask repeatedly. They did that tacky number where you go ask, are we supposed, did we get the funding for our hero pay yet? And they don't respond. That's a beautiful one. Employ the technique of asking electronically where you can send an email to the white people who have the information. In fact, it might be the white people who are making the decision about the pay and all of that like these are not white people like oh I gotta go check in with Ned he hasn't been eh. these are, I know I know all the information I can answer this question in 30 seconds ask them and then they didn't answer great that's an answer no problem and that's a beautiful one too because that's that's a pretty direct question about our funding and compensation for hero pay we're essential workers and you don't say anything man I don't feel like a hero I feel like a lame really if I'm just going to be ignored <laughs> like whoa she said she asked again this time they answered but not with a reply boop boop she got her funds cha-ching I love it wish we had the cash sound effect to add that one but love it and she she had a sneaking suspicion as do I that if she hadn't asked she wouldn't have got those funds or she wouldn't have got those funds at that moment They would maybe they would have waited a little while or maybe they would have waited and forgot about it Make sure you ask. Always good to ask. And always good to be trying to get information. See, if she didn't know, oh man, we're supposed to get our hero pay compensation and all that. If she had, you know, missed out, not been checking the news and that type of thing, or just trying to call information when you're on your job, you're trying to get information. That, that would be one thing. I would never be accused of being aloof on the job because I'm trying to gather information about this here work environment. Like it would be, man, that coon Gus, we can't bribe him to go out to a happy hour with us and get a tequila or nothing. But man, that coon will ask 50,000 questions uh, about the policy and procedure and other branches. And oh, he talked my ear off. I had to go get a cigarette. That would be asking questions reputation for asking questions and trying to learn about the company like man it's so much to know I just feel so ignorant you all have worked here so much longer than me so I'm just trying to soak it all in so I can be a better employee really a more valuable asset here grab one more of the emails see if we can punch through these as folks are spectating hmm okay this is a black uh, male. Oh, it's right on point with the school. Just talked about that. And again, parents shouldn't be spectating for this one. <laughs> if you're a parent, because we've talked about that specifically. Alright, so this is a black male educator, victim of racism. Updates and observations from the education plantation during the COVID-19 pandemic. Since my last report, I've received information about returning to school hyphen work for the upcoming school year. I have been at home since uh, spring break. So that's like March, March, Aprilish. Uh, for returning to work, staff is expected to return in person the first week of August. Wow, that's like next week? Is that next week? Week after, let's see. Week after next, basically. Uh, social distancing and masks required. My state has made wearing masks mandatory and the school district has made masks mandatory even if the state order for masks should expire. There will be no pandemic financial compensation for staff members returning to work. We will be receiving regular pay. Also, the school district has a hiring freeze in place for hourly positions. My state has 
360,000 plus COVID-19 cases, currently ranked number three in cases at the time of this report. Locally, my city only has 2,900 COVID-19 cases. Recently, the local health department issued an order mandating that all schools in my county delay the start of the school year. Parents have the option to choose in-person or online learning for their child. The expected return date for student in-person learning is September 7. That is like sneakily close to basically a month. Uh, So September 7th. Anyway, that could easily change. And so the school year will begin online. Wow. Wow. That is a lot. That's uh. So they will not have. That's why I said it'll be. It'll probably depend on your region, and it might even depend on you know your specific line of work. So for these educators in this region, no hero pay. Coming back to school, I guess in person, next week. Masks required. Social distancing required. I would have a lot of questions. Like if they're going to do that. Uh, so how do teachers eat lunch? Don't they have like a lounge area where the teachers eat? So is that gone? If that's gone, where do we eat at? Are we just all supposed to eat in our classroom by ourselves now? And I guess make sure the students are kicked out and then we can eat by ourselves in the room. Or how does that work? Uh, does everybody because I know some people in schools, they're in rooms together like admin staff or whatever, you know, that type of thing. Uh, they're not distanced per se they're kind of in close quarters uh, are they going to you know be dispersed throughout just I would have a lot of questions lots of questions what is this supposed because I mean it can't be this is something that can't be like sloppily thrown together like this is something that would have to we've went in and planned and taken some weeks because you're probably going to have to be doing some moving furniture around and it might be installing plastic you know the plastic dividers and barriers in places like it's going to take some time and I mean they're saying the first week of all, that's basically a week Right. I would have a lot of questions. And I'm sure if he has a lot of white co- uh, co-workers, they will have a lot of questions about what this is supposed to li- talk about liability. My gosh, uh, I would have a lot of questions uh, about what this is supposed to look like and all of that. Um, yeah, that, all of this. So that's why I said, like, what a fascinating time. I would be super observant. I would be asking lots of questions. If there's uh, a policy and procedure, especially if you have a business where they're, you know, kind of up to date about that sort of thing. So they have online policy and procedure or PDF. We they probably have updates every day uh, about all of this fascinating time uh, to really be mindful uh, about workplace racism and just a lot of the things that we talked about you know, way before the Rona arrived. Uh, so this is one educator. I guess if we have other folks, uh, other educators, uh, if you want to share how they are adapting policy and procedure uh, in your environment to prepare for students, what they're what they're reporting about what the school year is supposed to look like, that would be grand uh, as well. Uh, let's see if folks uh, let's, let's see our Bay Area mom. Uh, if you have observations thoughts should be with us proceed hi Gabby how can you hear me yes ma'am oh great um, greetings everyone and you um, 
let's do the one I might forget. Parent. I'm a parent spectator. So um, my son told me yesterday that they're not going to start school in Massachusetts uh, starting um, whenever he was leaving a month from now. So uh, I guess he'll do it online as well. I don't know how that'll be because it's... Uh, uh, I don't know how, I guess I, maybe he's, I'll ask him, I think his classes are um, geared towards perhaps if you're not in session, so maybe he'll take different courses um, versus ones that you may need to uh, be actually on campus for. Um, I think they'll give him a kickback as far as, if I had to pay for, uh, had to pay for housing, so I have to pay for summer housing and um, this uh, what is it, fall housing, uh, and um, so I guess he'll get a refund. He, I think he got one for summer, but I think they sent him, the refunds come out of my account, but it looks like it goes into his, I mean, the money comes out of my account, like the bills, but I think they get the refunds so in his checking account, because I never know anything about <laughs> But um, he, uh, so he's going to go stay online and stay this way. And um, until um, they figure out how they're going to do, just like you said, as far as the setup, because I didn't even, nobody was even prepared for uh, preparing the schools for the new um, system that they're putting in place. It doesn't seem like, it just seems like everybody was just at home working and whatever they were doing at the schools, free lunch, uh, internet, whatever they're hooking up in there, it wasn't to, um to prepare the children for how they want them to um, sit and conduct themselves moving forward. So, um, yeah, so we'll see how, and because since the kids are doing it online, and for him, he's in college, or the children, for him, he's in college, and um, they it, it, it's no free. So because it's not free, um, I don't know how they're going to do as far as, minimizing the tuition because I have to um, take out loans in order for him to go to school to cover what his scholarships and grants and so forth because that's a real pricey school. So um, we'll, we'll see how they do that as far as um, charging full pay and not um, giving the full service. Uh, this is, uh, I just mean for the schools that have to pay for uh, school. And with me, this was relationship, right? Friday. Yes, ma'am. That's where we are. Yes, ma'am. Okay. This second, this second, this second, my life. Um. Uh, so I went back to work on Monday. Okay, so I, I um, I, it's only three miles away. The good part about it is it's not far. That's the good part about it. Little girl. Oh, little girl, no vocabulary, um, no vocabulary, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, um, three and a half, um, now I, I go in the home, um, the supervisor supervised from 
on the internet. At first, I was the supervisor was coming to the next session. Oh, I'll be there. You know, they'll give you any history on the child. It's locked until the day you're going, so you can't see anything to prepare yourself. This is just this particular maybe supervisor, however she did it. So um, I go in, and then I'm thinking the supervisor is going to, um, you know, overlap the next day. No, she doesn't say anything or anything, so she comes the following day. But she doesn't come in person, like she stated. She comes in via tablet, which is fine. My my pet peeve with anyone, just me personally, if you have, if you're on the internet or if you're at home, you don't have to look like you're it's Saturday and you're just not. You, I don't. Know, I just think it's a presence you should have that she didn't have. So she looked like I just bothered her, you know, like I called her on Facetime and. Um, she just looking all, you know, things. So I'm like, oh, well, hello. Well, you know, and I have this mask on, too. You know, so I started bothering you here at home. No, 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 You perk up. You look like you just got out of bed. Oh, yeah, I don't know. it falls in, so she maybe kind of got into the groove uh, thereafter. But... You're at home. You could be a little more perturbed than that. So um, it's interesting just to see the little girl. Um, she's uh, a multitude of she's three different, and one of them is white, or her, uh, her father's white, and um, non-black, Asian, Hispanic-speaking. Uh so the baby, um, she's really, uh, I guess, um, it's just a, it's a complicated. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I guess I'm supposed to, the grandma said she wants me to have the girl do all kind of stuff. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, she has, she can say, I, I taught her maybe a couple of colors within a few days. Um, because the mom has to work, well, she doesn't have to work, but because the mom works, um, the grandma have her. Grandma retired early, so she can um, help with the baby and the grandpa have her. There's no vocabulary, so I can get crayon. Like I got crayon today, and I got like uh, it's purple, purple. So I got a couple of words. So um, she can say goodbye because she's ready, always ready for me to leave. So the lady, the Spanish speaking uh, grandma, said that I would do well with her because she loves the little girl loves African American. She loves African-Americans. She really loves African-American men, and the darker, the better. So she believes that uh, we'll work out well because I'm African-American, and um, she thinks that she'll engage with a, a African-American male because she loves them. So when my supervisor is overlapping with me, she's just saying how well I'm doing with the child, and so then she's telling the uh, telling me with... Um, with the, uh, the lady on the Zoom. Yeah, you know what I told you? know what I told you when you came? Really? You know what I told you? You know, I know, but I'm so glad she did repeat that. But I know what she told me that's because I'm um, black. That's why the little girl is stomaching me. It's not like she likes me or anything, but she's tolerating me because normally I heard she would run in the room. So um, I've talked a whole lot. And thank you for taking my call, and I'll meet my line. Hmm. That's interesting. 
I wonder what it is that she likes about black people, black males in particular. Like, uh, I don't know. <clears throat> Reminds me of the last uh, little white urchins you were working with. I'm going to bite you. I'm going to eat you. Nom, nom, nom. Like, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you find so wonderful? Dare I say delicious uh, about black people, black males in particular. Uh, anywho, uh, as for your son's situation, um, you know, I guess they're doing the reasonable thing, taking it serious, uh, in terms of having online learning, um, for the fall. Uh, and like you were saying, like just who had a plan in place for, you know, what the school situation is supposed to look like and all of that is just seeming like trying to figure out as best they can, uh, on the fly. Um, the financial component, like, yeah, I would definitely, if we were supposed to be in like in person and, you know, instructors right there to see me playing my horn or whatever the instrument is and giving me feedback so that I can be a professional, you know, musician or, you know, whatever you're supposed to be doing at this school. Uh, and now I'm stuck online and who even knows, you know, what that's going to look like. Like, yes, I would hope that there's lots of reimbursement coming and even that has been really contentious like man I am not a parent lots of things to give one a headache dealing with all of this madness and trying to help your offspring because I'm sure they're frustrated and confused too so trying to help them you know figure it out as best you can um the yeah the workplace like I think yes ma'am Maybe she was listening. Uh, the work oh, pl- sorry. I'm sorry. I pushed mute. He did a go. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, we can hear you now. No, he did a score, whatever that is. So he's going for composition and scoring. Mm-hmm. So uh, since he's in quarantine, he did one uh, three little three minute cartoon. I think I'm gonna try to figure out how to have him send it to you so you can see it. But he's very he's very neato so yeah i just wanted to throw that in sorry about that go ahead workplace got it awesome glad to hear he's still being productive that is awesome keep that brain computer rolling um yeah for your uh workplace now see that would be another illustration right there because she's mentioned that a few times right so uh, our this is a now this is our mom in the bay area right now California, that's another hot spot, just like Florida, as they were. It's not like Florida because uh, California was praised at first. They shut things down. Gavin Newsom, probably a presidential candidate for 2024, if we make it. Uh, But they were saying he did a great job and they shut things down. Silicon Valley and all that. Like, boom, we are not messing around. Uh, And then same now you also you had white people out at the beaches protesting that was immediate that was like months before we got to the George Floyd protests uh, and all of that but they were out like what do you mean Baker Beach is closed what do you mean Huntington Beach is closed and and all the rest of it like I brought my surfboard it was lots of that uh, way before we got to all of this but now it's rolling. Uh, they're even, as I understand it, they're talking about closing things down again. 
uh, in California, which is shocking, uh, at least to me, because it, you know, it was just, they were talking about Washington, Oregon, and California, like coordinating how they were going to reopen because they're all connected and blah, blah, blah. So I was paying attention. California's right there. I've lived in California, but they're contemplating shutting things down again because it's got so bad. So with that context, now our Bay Area mom, she's been out. She had the clients before. Little urchin, I'm gonna bite you. I'm gonna bite you. Eh, that can't be social different distancing if you're chomping uh, on a black person. Uh, and the white woman was doing the Zoom conference, watching. Got her feet propped up at home, eating Cheetos, whatever it is, lattes, all the rest. Now we fast forward. Boom, boom, boom. All right, new client, Lovo. Sounds like this is like the wild girl of Avaron. Have folks, do y'all know who that? You can Google it. Wild girl of Avaron. Anyway, uh, so you get this client with no vocabulary or limited vocabulary. You're going to work with her. And again, she's on the Zoom. And as she said, she's not even perky. It's not even like she's got her, you know, coffee and is there sipping away like, oh, this is going to be great. New client. Let's see how it goes. Get this vocabulary boosted. No, nah, she's sitting there. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what? What in the world? Like, Where's your energy? Like, let's get it. This is Zoom, not, you know, snooze. Like, man, give me some enthusiasm here. What is going on? Did we wake you up here? Like, are you on California now? They got all the legal drugs uh, and things down there. Anywho. um, Yeah, that's another like, man, I don't. uh, I don't even know how I feel about having some stranger working with my child under these circumstances, but neither here nor there um just i would anytime i hear that that somebody has an affinity for black people it gives me call uh gives me pause anybody's just oh i just love black people you know i don't even like hanging out with people you know normal circumstances i'd have left you here a long time ago but just something about the nigra just placing my like what like uh whoo keep a close eye on you that's how I would find I'm going to have to keep a close eye on you like uh, yeah we'll just have to see how all this goes Um, yeah I hope you're wearing your mask while this is going down and lots of hand washing and keeping yourself you know safe as possible strong code uh, for being around really anybody but children any of them really strong code keep that mask on much obliged for sharing uh, Bay Area Mom uh, let's see number again new number is 720 716 Let's see. Moving along. Uh, Miss C and non-Clemson grad should be with us as well. Star 6-1. Other folks, if you have commentary. Can I be heard? Miss C, yes, ma'am. Hi, Gus. Hi, listeners. I have a wonderful story of workplace racism. That happened this week. It left me in tears and I was just depressed and like really heartbroken over it. But um, I'll give a little bit of context and then I'll go into my story. So in 
So um, I'm, I am an educator in the sense of I've been an online teaching assistant um, for university since 2014. And the classes that I um, work with students on is macroeconomics and statistics. And my supervisor, she was my former professor. She's been a mentor to me for since, you know, 2014. And I, whenever I go back home, I visit her. And she's even considered me a daughter. Um, and, you know, I text her for holidays. I text her, like, most recently for Mother's Day. But with the coronavirus and everything that's been happening, I, I feel like I've been, like, in a vortex. Like, the days just kind of blur together. So, you know, just things things for me aren't normal. Um, but a little bit about my supervisor, um, she... At this particular university, she's one of the highest paid professors, if not the highest paid professor. She earns six figures um, a year uh, teaching statistics and um, macroeconomics. And, like, what I noted about her, she she is an immigrant from Iran. Um, I'm not sure what she would consider herself, but the U.S. Census would consider her to be a white person, so I'm not... I'm not exactly sure, but she likes to, she likes to like root for and help out the underdog. But what I have noticed, um, is in her talking to me over several years and semesters is she always loves to mention the race of students, you know, and she'll, she'll say like, oh, this particular student is a black student or oh, this particular student, um, uh, has such and such situation going on. And she, she gets to see the students because part, part of, um, part of her classes are face to face and some of them are streamed online for the online students. And, you know, we've had a really positive working relationship. Um, you know, she, she builds me up with words of affirmation. And if I do, if I do something that's incorrect, she will kindly correct me. In a very gentle way or whatever. Like, for example, I've called a student asinine or their actions asinine um, before. And, you know, she just kindly corrected me or whatever. So I am not technically an employee of the university. I don't have any benefits. I'm a contractor. So every semester, the university sends me a contract saying, okay, you – you get hired on for this many hours for this particular class. And that happens every spring, fall, and summer. And the summer, the summer, um, the summer semester is just like a, a very short six week period. So it's an accelerated semester. Um, so just to give a timeline of events, the spring semester at this university finished on a Friday, May 8th. And the finals for both classes, online and then face-to-face after they transitioned to online, was on Thursday, May 7th. The grades from the professor must be submitted by Monday the 11th. So my nature is, just in case some students um, follow up and they want to know what their grade is, I'll go back in to the, to the email or to um, the Blackboard educational platform And I'll respond to any students, you know, just kind of tie up loose ends, make sure everything's good. Um, 
to close the semester. So I checked my email on the last day, which was May 11th. Um, and the thing about being hired on at this university is, let's say I, I have 67 students. Well, they'll say that two classes are full with 30 students, and then the third class has seven students. I still have to, you know, make sure that all those students' needs are taken care of, correspond with them, um, all that kind of stuff for those seven students. I'm not getting paid an additional amount. I get paid a set amount for filled classes. So if the class is 29 students out of 30, I'm not hired um, for nine hours, they'll just say, "Oh, that class didn't fill." You still have to, you still have to work with those students, but you don't get those hours. So I'm used to doing more because sometimes the classes don't don't fill up, and I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, it's it's a pretty chill, relaxed, um, like working conditions. But I do try to go above and beyond whenever students email me. I try to give them very in-depth, um, accurate information um, and try to be on top of things to get them the resources that they need to, you know, succeed and do well. So, again, I did not check my email since May 11th. At this point on Tuesday, that's like, that's May, or I'm sorry, July 21st. And I got a phone call from my, um, my supervisor she accused me of ignoring an email that she sent on Friday, May 15th, a week after the semester had already closed, all that kind of stuff. Again, I have not checked the email in over two months. And I didn't, I didn't receive notification that I was going to be hired. Um, and the last time I checked to see if I was going to be hired for the summer semester was probably about Memorial Day or something, just to make sure. And it turned out that there were about, I think, either 22 or 24 students. So, of course, I'm not going to be hired on. I was nowhere near close to getting those 30 those um, thirty students needed to get my nine hours. So I just figured, okay, we'll just pick back up in the fall. No worries. Um, again, my, my supervisor called me on Tuesday. She accused me of ignoring her email which the email was unread, and I didn't get it. I don't have it coming to my phone or anything. And she accused me of being selfish and only caring about myself. You know, I, I calmly listened to what her grievance was, and I responded. I said, I appreciate you sharing this with me out of respect, but I think that was an inaccurate statement about me. And she quickly snapped back, like, you showed me, you showed me, my friend. You showed me how, what you think about me. You only, you only care about um, these hours and this employment. And I, I told her, I said, you know, I, I figured that I wasn't working in the summer, so why is this even an issue? Um, again, I was not contracted by the university to work in the summertime. Um, she, she wanted, I guess, our relationship to extend beyond the employment opportunity, which I am grateful for. I've definitely had this job way longer than I need to. Um, but she claimed that because I got 
like 30 hours in previous semesters or 20 um, or 18 hours in previous semesters. Like I should have been okay with helping her in the summertime. And again, the only, the only correspondence I had with her was from this unread email. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm used to taking on additional students. And if you really needed help or you needed me to fulfill this request that you sent in an email, like you could have called me or texted me like you're doing now. And I would have gladly gotten you the document or I would have gladly like assisted you in whatever way. You know, it's not, not that big a deal. But for her to, you know, make these accusations, I, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, because the way I correspond with the students, again, I go above and beyond for the students. And if she asked me to do something that she could clearly do, like responding to a student or, um, or completing some sort of task related to, related to uploading videos or whatever, like, I'm, I'm more than willing to do it. Again, this is like a really chill, laid back environment. Um, and I was not, um, contracted to work, but after all of this, after all of this, she offered me a job in the, in the fall. And I was just really confused by that because if you're wanting to extend a, a job opportunity to somebody, then why are you like berating me? And it makes me feel like I don't want to work and do this anymore because kind of like with the students that I was talking about before, like, Maybe she looks at me like I'm an underdog needing a quote handout or hand up. And for me, like I'm, I'm more than happy to, to quit any job when, when somebody like disrespects me like that. Like for this person to think that our relationship only is within the confines of this employment opportunity. Like whenever I go home, I visit you and I had to visit you, you know, um, in May, but that got canceled because of the coronavirus. And then in June for a whole week to visit friends and family. That, that just is really confusing. And after, after our phone conversation and everything, I texted her, I was like, there has to be more to this than, you know, you just calling me about this. Like, is there something going on? Like, I know that the coronavirus is, you know, causing people to be frustrated and like lash out and stuff. And she said that was even more disrespectful and I have no work obligation. So I'm really confused because it, to me, it sounds like you're trying to, you're trying to help me with this, with this job that doesn't, she said she knows that it doesn't pay a lot, you know, just a couple, couple thousand dollars every four months is really nothing. Um, but you're trying to help me out and make me feel like I need this job when it sounds like you actually need me. And the moment when I wasn't working in the summertime, you realized how vital I am to making the courses run smoothly. Not, not that I feel like, not that I feel like I'm, I'm needed in this role, but it, it just, I'm just really perplexed by my employer's like behavior. But Final thing, final thing. Um, one of my other mentors, she used to work for this lady directly, and she quit She quit the job as the office assistant back in, uh, I guess, December of 2015. 
And she shared recently why she quit, and she explained that my supervisor was just talking talking down to her and just causing her, like, um, causing her a lot of problems. And I didn't really, I didn't really understand why, why my supervisor would cause her problems and stuff, but, uh, the office assistant or my mentor is a, is a non-white black female. Um, but it, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. And when, I guess when other black people or other non-white people warn you about a person who may be considered white, like you should believe them and be on guard and kind of not think that it won't happen to you. And with that, I will end my commentary. Hmm. Fascinating. I am uh, sorry you had to uh, endure that. Uh, What does it mean to be white? Is this person classified? Is this person functioning as an individual classified as white? Really, really important. Now, that's fascinating. So did this other black female who left the job and I guess she got more information about why she left uh, later on. She included that specifically like, or I guess she, she had warned you in advance, like, Hey, I think she might be just a regular old trashy white woman. And you might want to be careful about her. Like, does she give some type of warning about her maybe being a white woman? Well, she um, I mentor. I just talked to her today, and that was that was interesting and stuff. I didn't bring up any of this information that I'm sharing with y'all. Um, but what was interesting about her situation is she was supposed to be the office office assistant for one department in the the business school. When there's there's like four or five other departments within the school, and she was an assistant for maybe about five or six professors. But these other departments from the marketing, from um, the finance, from the accounting departments were bringing the, the stuff, the, the task and workload that they would normally put onto their office assistant, they were bringing it to, to this black woman. They were having her do stuff that was delegated to their office people, but because this woman was very personable, she was very light and professional, and she was organized, very attentive. They were like, "Oh, we'll just we'll just drop it off on this this staff member." So there was there was a lot of stuff going on within the departments, but also also from my supervisor. Um, I I can't I can't exactly recall. Like some of some of the situations that she was going through, but you know, she just she just left the job really abruptly, and my supervisor got really frustrated with her and turned against her as soon as as soon as um, my supervisor realized that the lady was trying to move herself out the door, then my supervisor got really hostile and caused those final days to be like unbearable for her. That's that's my understanding of the whole situation. Just talking down to her, you know, belittling her, complete opposite of how she normally interacts. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, 
what does it mean to be white? A lot of times you just look at the behavior. Not that, hey, a lot of non-white people mistreat non-white people. A lot of black people mistreat black people. All of that said, um, that is fascinating to just speak to her today and have her share all of that. Like, wow. Um, I guess just my thought. I think anytime that reminds me of uh, Gary Rivlin, the book club, the gift of fear. He said, when you get those feelings like, man, it just, this is bizarre. Is something else happening? Like, we don't have enough students. We're not going to hit the 30 threshold. So I'm not going to get my little measly nine hours. You already said you, you know, not that you've done that work before. I'm thinking, Verona, like with all of the shutdowns and chaos, like, am I even going to be coming in under such circumstances? Like, what's the protocol going to look like for all of this? Like, not to mention, we don't have, you know, enough students like I Anyway, um, just everything about it, like for it to be that level of hostility. We talked about that so much this year, like unprovoked hostility, like you don't have my personal information. Like you couldn't have just contacted me before it got to this point to just check in or it's not looking like we're going to have enough students, but would love to have you, you know, work this summer anyway. And you're a really vital part of the staff. Like that couldn't be the conversation. Like you are, she's been like a mentor. You said you all have had this great relationship, great professional bond. And this is how you're, speaking to me over this like in the in the midst of the Rona and everything else like this is how you're talking to me that I'm I am ignoring you and you know just not even responding to your query some email you know after the the school year has already ended it's not even a thought that well maybe she didn't see it like she doesn't even that's not even possible that you didn't see it she missed it something of that nature i couldn't make a second effort to call text something like that hey maybe you missed the email i know it was after the school year covid19 god forbid you might be distracted by other things uh you know opportunity would love to have you we don't have enough students but hey if if you have the time and it's reasonable that's too much that sort of thing like that alone would just be like man maybe i misjudged maybe you are not as cool as i i thought or unless something else happened and you said i mean she was obstinate absolutely not i'm even more offended for you to call and make such a suggestion that the rona is has a all right, I must have misjudged. Like, wow, because this is not this is not the conduct uh, of someone who is a reasonable person. Dare I say, a thoughtful person as it relates to me is concerned about me. That's how, not, not how you conduct yourself at all. Like, I don't. I'm not worthy of the benefit of the doubt of just having maybe missed an email after my contract expired. That's not possible that I could have missed the email. All righty. That's what I would expect from someone classified as white. Thank you for the clarification. That does not toughen. I mean, that would still be like, man, to have all that time and energy and we work together. And I thought, you know, we're cool. You know, we at least have a, a great professional because that's hard. We have a lot of folks who don't have that sort of professional bond and someone who's helping them get better and, you know, polite corrections and that sort of thing. That's helpful. That's helping you get better in your profession, evolve in your career to lose that. I mean, yeah, that's tough. Um, in a year when it's been, you know, 
no shortage of tough things. Add that one to the uh, stack. That is uh, painful, but man, what does it mean to be white? Another illustration, I'm afraid. Uh, Miss C in South Carolina. That just strikes me as crazy, too, though. Like, the wrong, like, really? Like, South Carolina, they don't have a, a like you got a lot of schools around the country they're not even opening in the fall like much less what are you talking about having a summer program and whoo south carolina man dealing with no dylan roof i understand i understand pitch for ben tillman i understand uh let's see other folks who dialed in that we missed totally See if you have your own situation or uh, comments on what has been discussed thus far. Proceed. Hi, guys. I aforementioned be in Toronto. Yes, ma'am. Hi. So sorry, I just um, came in a little later on the program. I just finished running errands. Uh, but greetings to you, callers and listeners. Um. The part that I I chimed in on was in regards to um, schools and COVID planning. Is that correct? Well, we've been talking about that quite a bit today. Yes, ma'am. All righty. So I had a thank you so much. I had just um, was reviewing the TDSB, which is the Toronto District School Board. Um, York Region, Peel Region, Durham Region, uh, those part of the GTA, our Greater Toronto Area, might have something slightly different. Um, but a proposal was sent to the Board of Trustees back on July, thir- July 15th of this year. Um, so they have three possible models. Uh, at least Ministry of Education um, are asking school boards to plan for three possible learning models. So the first could be that it will be regular school day routine um, with enhanced public health protocols such as social distancing, um, uh, hand washing, wearing a face mask where uh, social distancing is not possible. There may be an adapted school day model Um, with in-school and remote learning. So uh, it will be broken down into week one and week two, where uh, it will be one staff to 15 people, and uh, they would uh, be spaced out for social distancing. Um, The set of kids that weren't able to make it in week one in class will be in remote learning, and those who were in week one um, would in week two be in remote learning, while those who are in remote learning in week one will be in class in week two. And then the last scenario would be fully remote learning, meaning they will um, be at home um, using the uh, the learning um, that they have, and it could be um, synchronous, which means that the teacher would still be able to access and um, and uh, assist with the class um, remotely, or it would be asynchronous, where 
um, the workload would be sent via mail to the students, and they will be expected to complete it um, with a, only a certain time to access the teacher. So they, they have it very detailed. Now, this is for elementary school. They also have something similar, slightly similar for the um, secondary school. For students who are um, in special education programs, um, then uh, for some, they may be required to be in class daily. For others, um, they may only be um, accessing the information remotely. Uh, they're hiring more teachers in order to facilitate. They're also hiring more um, more EAs, educational assistants, um, for this as well to to assist. Um, and then there is the adult day high schools. Um, where they would also have um, a remote learning as well as uh, in class, but it, the the three scenarios are dependent upon um, how, like, which direction uh, the the COVID measures go when the data is reassessed. Right now, Toronto is in stage two, um, which means only. Some of the businesses um, are able to operate. Um, there's still social distancing, um, say, uh, for restaurants, social distancing on the patio. Um, also, uh, no more than 10 people um, at a particular gathering. Um, that includes uh, funerals and weddings. Um, and, uh, yes, whereas other there's at least seven other regions around Toronto where they're in stage three, where that means that everything is, is accessible. So those who already have stage three, um, the students there will definitely be in, in regular uh, in-class uh, school. So I hope that that helps. That they, is... they, they do have it quite involved. As it should be, uh, in my opinion, uh, children are important. At least some people, you know, have some sort of affinity to their offspring. Uh, so, yeah, it should be detailed um, for the school situation and even some variance in there, you know, depending, I guess, if some regions, things are doing a little bit better than some of the other places that might need to take things a little bit more slowly. But, uh, yeah, that's. That sounds better. I don't know what South Carolina's plan looks like. It's been such a hodgepodge and kind of all over the place, but that sounds a little bit more reasonable uh, in terms of we'll kind of have to see what things look like and making another assessment uh, if things have uh, calmed down uh, at all and all the rest of it. Like, that seems logical. Um, I know we talked, she's, she had her child is a little bit older, so we're not you know, talking elementary school and that type of thing. But, um, that I still probably wouldn't I, more. Yeah. I can't imagine myself feeling confident about sealing, sending my child to school anywhere in the world right now. But 
At least that seems reasonable. Uh, we'll see what it's going to be, and then uh, go from there. But yeah, I wouldn't even—I wouldn't even be thinking of sending my child to an environment where they're going to be like in person with other children and staff. Like, unless I think they're, you know, they're old enough, mature enough that they're going to take this seriously. They're going to wear a mask. They're going to be in a, you know, small class, like under ten. Uh, students type of thing what she was just saying small class size everybody's wearing a mask and distanced and all the rest of it we got great ventilation filtered air and all that okay but yeah if it's not something like that I'm good they're talking 30 people and uh, yeah I'm good I'm good I'm good uh, let's see and and also to add Gus you oh sorry hi Gus yeah, yes ma'am we can hear you go ahead oh Yes. Also to add, um, uh, now there is um, uh, there's an option for parents who still do not feel comfortable uh, bringing their uh, children to for face to face learning to still opt uh, for the remote learning completely. So there and there was a survey that was done where. Um, Two-thirds of the family or 66% of the families are likely to send their children to school in the fall. Um, almost uh, three-quarters of the students or 73% feel comfortable returning to school in the fall. However, less than half or 41% of staff are comfortable with returning to their workplace. Um, so they're not quite certain as to how they will assist the staff in getting on board um, because it's, it's far below what the families and the students um, uh, feel in terms of uh, returning back to the school environment. Um, also, uh, the other thing that I wanted to add is, um, well, actually it was more of a proposal. Um, in terms of while we are uh, creating our own codes and and also uh, adapting and um, and uh, utilizing our own codes of behavior in the workplace, I would propose, and I'm pretty sure that this is already being done, um, to also. Um, treat others based on their codes of behavior. Um, and the reason why I mention this is because um, what I'm just noticing is that if, in particular with Toronto, there are so many different cultures um, under uh, this white supremacist system uh, that they, they each seem to have their own codes um, that has a common denominator of victimizing uh, black people. And um, in this case, I'm thinking that what would um, help uh, black people continue to study um, the predators is to, is to continuously find out about their codes um, and their codes can be what their habits are, um, how they how they move in certain situations, how they speak.
speak, what is their affect or, or facial features, how do they emote um, in certain uh, contexts, um, you know, just really getting an in-depth study of, of what you're dealing with so it can help you navigate more within the workplace. I'm still working on this theory, um, and, and I've been utilizing it in order to help me navigate. Um, so hopefully I can speak a little bit more clear when I gain more data around this. But I, I would encourage um, uh, everyone to uh, really study the predators that you deal with. Um, and thank you. I leave the line. Great recommendation. Great recommendation. Mr. Fuller calls them the most familiar mystery. Studying how they operate. Patterns. Quirks. Little. That's what we had the caller or listener. She wrote in. She says she noted. It seems like white people do a lot of coughing around black people. They'll cough either just with your presence maybe to announce your presence and or will cough while talking to black people just being observant Uh, speaking of emails let's see if we can uh, punch through all our emails all right all right black female victim of racism last week a caller asked for advice about having to participate in icebreakers at work meetings. Patience is key. I have observed that race soldiers often introduce activities that they themselves get bored with after a few mom- uh, after a few months. In the meantime, develop a code. Didn't thought we just heard that. Uh, a non-white male once told me how he dealt with similar situations at work. Whenever he was asked to give an opinion on a racist suspect colleague, he would always use the same line. She is very experienced. He would never elaborate on what the individual was experienced in. Another caller talked about a situation where a non-white male was treated like a child by a supervisor and a reference was made to Dr. Curry's book, The Man Knot. Whilst I agree that non-white males are infantilized, I think it's constructive to point out this racist practice is also inflicted on non-white females. I've had managers speak to me in childlike tones and even make cooing sounds at me during work conversations as if I'm a child under the age of 10 boys and gals the most aggressive form of this mistreatment that I have experienced was after securing sponsorship for a project which was worth around 500,000 pounds a race soldier securing sponsorship for a project which was worth, wait a minute, a race soldier female was essentially trying to muscle in and push me aside. I'm just pausing here because we've heard this like a lot more times than I can remember uh, in the context of workplace racism. Uh, A white woman specifically where a black female has done lots of hard work and it'll be, we've had this exact 
type of example where a black female went in and got like a huge amount of money for a white institution, a half million dollars or something, you know, massive, a quarter million dollars, something huge. And then a white woman comes and it's all, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. This, yeah, see, the Nigra, she messed up here and she messed up here and this, this is wrong and this is wrong. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, I'm going to have to do this whole thing over again. I tell you what I'll do. Instead of reporting you and getting you in a whole lot of trouble, which I could do right now, we'll split this and I'll go in and correct all your errors. That type of thing where they end up coming in and either trying to take the whole credit or half of it or something. While we had our listener in Virginia, she told us about the situation. I think she had got like, I think it was a third of a million dollars is more than a quarter of a million dollars. Uh, of a grant that she got for like a white institution and this white woman came in same thing strong arm robbery oh no you messed that up you did that wrong and you did that wrong I, I think in fact you violated a major code right here we might have to give the whole thing back and you endangered the whole institution and then they go and check all of the white woman's accusations were wrong the black female had done the grant correctly or whatever it was to get this you know huge chunk of cash and even at the end of all that, the white woman still got credit for half of this money when she contributed nothing to the pro- uh, process except wasting time with false allegations against a black person. Very talking about looking for behavior patterns and studying the predators that you're around. Bingo. So let's get back to that. A race soldier female was essentially trying to muscle in and push me aside. Her strategy was to give the impression that I did not know what I was doing. She tried to make me look small in a meeting by saying it was time to have a grown up conversation with company offering this with the company offering the sponsorship. I already had their agreement. So I guess they had determined I was adult enough. I did not react to her comment, which was said to intimidate me. She did not get very far with her racist antics. Back to the drawing board. Boys and gals, for sure. Boys and gals, for sure. Uh, Let's see. So the email until justice at gmail.com until justice at gmail.com the number 720 almost there I'll have it memorized the number 720-716-7300 the code 564-943 pound press star 61 if you would like to participate uh also, just miss see the commentary that she gave uh, this. Uh, I guess she's Iranian, accepted as able to function as white, we think. Uh, I have noted that pattern as well, where a white person I've had it to me happen to me personally. It was a white man, but whatever, uh, where a white person will either make some baseless accusations uh, try to some impugn your integrity, your credibility, your professionalism. Uh, and, you know, after they do whatever, they're put downs and things. And then they will come back and it's like they're picking you up out of the mud. Like I've stomped you down and ah, 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 laughed on you, splash mud on it. And now I'm going to come pick you up, dust you off. 
you know, if you if you come hang out with me, clean you up and you'll be right in the world. Like I've seen that a lot. They, they say they build you up to break you down. Sometimes they do it the reverse way. They break you down, then they build you back up and do it all over again. Uh, it's uh, some kind of like psychological warfare. I feel with them sometimes because I mean, if just going by what you said, like if if the accusation, if you're contacting me at this late date, just to say you're a no count scoundrel, you're selfish. All you care about is these little these little measly nine hours. You little measly couple thousand dollars. That's all you care about. You don't care about these children. You don't care about me. Nothing. You're a no count scoundrel. Oh, okay. Well, if that's true, you certainly do not want to work with me, right? You certainly, who follows all that, you no-count, selfish scoundrel, and you don't care about children or me or anyone else? Now, we have a job offer. For, like, what kind of sense does that make? Come on, come on, come on. But I have seen that from individuals classified as white before. Absolutely. Break you down, and then they build you back up. Psychological games. And again, we're in the middle of the Rona. Like, what is all this for? Like, Come on. Context of white supremacy. Uh, other folks who dialed in that we've not heard from. Uh, if we missed you totally, if you have commentary, proceed. Good evening. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. All right. Good evening, everyone. Um, so I, I'm in New York, Long Island. And, um, this my son's school um, had um, had a survey to do online to see, you know, if he wanted to go back and just asking questions about, you know, um, if he wanted to take a school bus, if he wanted to go back, um, what kind of learning, if it's going to be distance or in school or a combination of both. And um, I think they said they're going to take that into consideration into their planning and then send some kind of documentation to the Board of Education. I think they did that sometime this month, maybe like a week ago. So as of now, I don't know if school is opening and what it will look like when it opens. Um, uh, what's her name? I think her name is B. I hope I'm getting correct in Toronto. I think she said that they were hiring. <laughs> um, I don't think they do that in my district. Um, in my son's school, before the virus hit, there was over 20 children in the class, and there was no aid, but only one teacher. <clears throat> so I don't think they'll be um, investing. And they're talking also about, um, I guess, a lack of money, a lack of funding for New York State um, because of coronavirus, they say. Um, workplace. So I haven't actually been into <laughs> work in a while. I just, you know, I'm a stay-at-home mom. But when I was working at my my second-to-last job, I was, uh, I did electronics, like soldering, um, making fixers, and stuff like that. And there was the manager for, 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 for production. And what she did also was um, delivery. She had to, like, send packages out and stuff like that. And she used to make mistakes, like, Send it to the wrong address, um, um, the wrong, the wrong, the wrong parts is in the box, um, stuff like that. And what my boss had me do was, whenever she packed something, 
I had to check the labeling. I had to cut it open um, and check the contents of the box and write a report and do a graph and all of this, right? And so it came to a point now where whenever she did something wrong, I got blamed for it. Um, what else? I think, oh, what I find also is that when there's like one, like when there's another black person on the job and they, the, 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 the white people there see you interact with that black person, when that black person is saying it's not, um, it's like not showing up for work or something, I found that they, they would come to me and like ask me, you know, why that person is not at work. When was the last day that person was at work? And I'm like, you know, like, what does that have to do with me? Like, <laughs> you know, like, why don't you call that person and ask him what he's, what he's doing? Like, I, I don't know. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, snitching on other black people. Um, that's a good observation uh, just to note if a black person is not there or whatever, and they come to ask you, do you know? Or Jamal, have you seen him? Like, uh, no. <laughs> like, uh, man, uh, system of racism and to get extra jobs. Now, on the one hand, you get an extra job, an extra job. It's assumed that you might know the whereabouts. If there are, are any AWOL black employees, it's assumed that you might have information about their last known whereabouts. It's also expected that you are responsible enough that the irresponsible white supervisor who probably makes a lot more than you uh, to come behind her and check the labels and the contents, make sure that we're actually not going to be wasting money and time and upsetting uh, customers, uh, sending out the wrong parts or to the wrong address or both uh, or whatever. I mean, wow, uh, maybe we have the wrong person in the supervisory position. How about that? Uh, the school plan. That's interesting. Uh, they sent out the survey. Well, I guess B said they sent out a survey too, but she said it sounded like they sent out a survey to the children to see if they were interested. Is that, you said that they sent out the survey to the children to see if they were interested in coming back to school as well. No. So the survey was online. So oh, the okay. parents had to go online and um, go to a district website and actually send the survey out. I see. Okay. Okay. All righty. Um, yeah, I'd probably be with the the Toronto teachers. I think she said it was about they were it's about forty percent of them were go back, so I guess that means about sixty percent were, you know, no thanks, I'm good. That'd probably be where I'm at. No thanks, I'm good on all the school. They'll just have to especially if they're if they're coming with lame excuses in New York or anywhere really, then oh man. We don't have the funding to do this correctly, you know. We got the Rona, so we had to slash it like meh. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, system of whites are like, man, school, just schools alone. We said that before, before the Rona, like, man, just the academic component. We don't have to get the vaccines or anything else about being a parent. Just the school component alone should warrant a lot of conversation before you get to the bedroom. Like, it wouldn't even be like, what's the Rona component? Just the normal school plan would be enough to warrant a whole lot of dialogue before we hit the bedroom. Now we have to be <sighs> burning the midnight oil to figure out the academic plan with the Rona. 
parenting, no easy job. Uh, let's see other folks, uh, with a hand up that we missed, uh, totally. If you have commentary, proceed. Greetings. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Um, good evening to guests, um, the callers, as well as the listeners. Um, I called in before under the pseudonym of For Black Panther, and I had a situation concerning the icebreakers that you all were able to um, provide suggestions on, and I've found them to be very helpful. Um, you're still doing the <laughs> the icebreakers. I'm I've kept my responses very short, and I'm I'm beginning to. Although each member on the team are being very specific and intentional about the kudos that they're giving to uh, that they're giving, um, because they're giving kudos to specific people, I've kind of just gave kudos to everyone. I've made my kudos very broad. Um, I believe my, my kudos for this week was, I, I think I thanked everyone for attempting to be the best professional that they could possibly be, and that was my kudos. Um, so I kept it very short and brief. Um, moving forward, I work for a nonprofit that works to house individuals who are without permanent housing. So this week, I was given a client who is a black male victim of racism, super, uh, racism white supremacy, who who's been diagnosed with bipolarism and um, who who has a history of engaging in terroristic behavior towards females. So my supervisor, I would say she is a non-white female who would probably identify as Indian. Um, she was very triggered by this client, um, given her, given, I guess, previous interactions that she's had with him. Um, according to her, she, he's, he's been very, uh, very rude or discourteous towards her and has even called her names. So I think I, I took issue with this particular case because um, I, I felt that there was a lot of kind of anti-blackness going on just in the manner of um, the manner in which they were kind of discussing this case. This client is, is in the process of being evicted from an apartment because he had received a restraining order. Um, from a tenant who who claims that he, and it's possible that he was that he he was he was uh, intimidating her. No details were given on the, the the specific behavior that he was engaging in, but it, it was alleged that he was intimidating her. And and um, the court or the judge ha- had ruled in favor of the of the alleged victim, so he's had to be evicted. Um, and unfortunately, the nonprofit that I work for. It doesn't appear that they're interested in providing this this victim um, with another apartment. So it's likely that he will be um, homeless out in the street. Um, trying to gather my thoughts here, um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was interesting how no thought was being given to the conditions that produce these types of victims. These, you know, that produce these types of personalities. 
and I and I believe that's kind of part of what we do um, as clinicians is to kind of as clinicians is to kind of contextualize how how these conditions lead to poor mental health. Um, and and you know, I feel like he the, the gentleman was being monsterized. You know, he's a monster. He he, he has a history of of brutalizing you know female tenants and. We had stuff that was interesting. Um, moving forward, um, I am working on an exit strategy. Um, although I'm able to work from home um, and the pay is decent, I feel like I can do better um, in terms of the pay. And I'm still feeling pressured into sharing private details about my life and I've, I've been pretty explicit about um, my uh, how I conduct myself in the workplace and you know I consider myself to be professional and if it, and if it has nothing to do with you know or I've learned from listening to the cows that um, if it has nothing to do with our, our you know um, the current task at hand which is our job then I'm not really interested in, in discussing it and I'm still getting the vibe that um, it's, it's kind of part of the culture there they want to make it a family environment. Um, and I'm just not sure if, if I can, if I can continue there, at, at, um, given just the, the feedback that I've been getting, the responses. Um, so I have, I have been submitting job applications and, um, they are asking for information or my my supervisor my current supervisor's information, and you know I've I've been um, inputting that information. I'm just not sure if if I'm going to be um, penalized for that. Um, I'm kind of nervous about that actually. Um, I suspect that jobs are pro- or employers are who are interested are contacting her, and she may I'm not sure if she's. Um, if she's willing to assist me in that manner um, by speaking, you know, highly about my, my job or my performance. And I do, I do believe that I perform well. Um, I've, I've had multiple performance reviews and they've been, they've all been um, pretty good. Um, I'm just not sure if, if, um, if the supervisor will be cooperative um, in that way. So, um, if anyone have, um, if anyone has suggestions on what I can do, I'm not sure if I should just transparent and let her know that, you know, I'm, I'm looking for a new job. I feel like maybe that probably isn't the best way to go, but, um, I am, um, providing her contact information. So I think I need to be a bit more strategic in how I'm kind of going about this. Um, that, that concludes my commentary. Thank you. Eating the line. Much obliged, sir. Uh, I think it's always great keeping the answers short in the icebreaker um, and finding a collective like kudos uh, to give. Thanking everyone for being professional. Um, I was thinking mine might be. I just want to thank everyone for having safety in the forefront of their minds and wearing masks and social distancing and just bravo for everybody taking it serious. Woo! That would be mine every week as my little mini PSA for COVID-19 and then same thing. I don't have to get in anything personal or nothing goofy like I participate and got to do a great 
kudo for everybody. But I think that's awesome. Just kudos for being professional. Kudos for taking COVID serious. Kudos for not bringing in potluck. Nothing, you know, I just want to say your hair looks great today. That's all. Eh, eh. Um, the, let's see, I think if it's one of those type of work environments where they, it's been my view a lot of times when they get you and it's, we have to hang out or we have to chat about, I don't know, our, if you're married, do you have a girlfriend? Do you have children? All that type of thing. Where's your mom from? Where'd you grow up at? Where'd you go to all that to get into every nook and cranny of your personal life? It's been my experience. Sometimes they want to manipulate non-white people who might be appropriately suspicious. They want to get you to kind of lower your guard and just say, hey, we're all cool. We're all friends. And, you know, my children, I am super resistant to all of that. Uh, And it's been my experience sometimes that white people, they grasp like, oh, yeah, this one is not going to let the guard down. Going to stay up like, I don't know. We got to keep an eye on this one. We've heard that before from some people. Uh, I'm a, I think that's a great strategy to be already working on your uh, exit strategy. Uh, if you already are seeing like, hey, I feel like I can make more money. They're doing a lot of this kind of being insistent that I talk about myself and go into private details that have nothing to do with a job. And that just violates my code. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Might be. Uh, thank you might be able to find a plantation where you can make a few more nickels and are not going to be like aggressively asked to, you know, talk about your deep feelings and all the rest of it. Like, let's just do the job. Let's just do the job. Uh, as for maybe second plug for Dr. Tommy Curry, the man. Not. So black male, he's got some sort of mental difficulties. Don't we all, especially after this year, and he gets accused of uh, intimidating uh, another tenant, female tenant. I think you said he had a history of violating uh, female tenants, uh, perhaps violently. Uh, and so they're throwing him out. And he said it seemed like a lot of anti-black remarks being made in what's supposed to be a professional environment, helping these very folks get housing. And it didn't seem like it was let's get him you know, better housing or different housing, what have you. Let's see if we can, you know, get him some help around this. Just like, yeah, washing our hands with rubbish. Wow. That's uh and as you said, I, I think we heard from a third generation psychiatrist who talked about the role of the therapist, putting these behaviors into context as to why these things are happening. And then maybe we can help to stop, interrupt some of these behavior patterns. Or we could just, ah, savage nigger. Him and Bill Cosby causing all the... We could do that. We do a lot of that. And just have, and especially under these conditions to have more homeless people, that cannot be good uh, with the COVID-19 situation to just pile a whole lot of people up outside. Say, well, you know, do the best you can. Fend for yourself. We give you toilet paper, but we're out of that too. Hi, guys. Be in Toronto. Hi, thank you. Um, uh, for to answer Black Panther's questions, um, if I may, uh, I had something similar happen to me actually just recently at the new plantation. Um, 
uh, it was a non-white, um, self-identified East Indian woman um, who was also a new hire. And she kept asking me about what I'm going to do for the weekend. Do I live in a house and apartment? You know, do I have family? Do I have friends? Um, you know, if, so I said, oh, well, I'm going to have a barbecue. I never answered the other questions, but I said that I was going to have a barbecue over the weekend. She's asking me to send her pictures. I've only known this woman for like five days. I'm not going to be taking pictures <laughs> to show her. I thought it was really inappropriate. So the next time she she spoke to me, she said, oh, you know, that you seem to be very, very secretive. And um, the line that I used was, no, you know how church and state is separate? I just like to keep um, work-life balance in perspective. So I keep work and, and my home life separate. And ever since then, she hasn't asked me any questions. I'm still monitoring. So that might be a line that um, Black Panther might want to use is, um, you know, I like to um, uh, work-life balance is high on my list. So I like to keep work and life separate to maintain that balance. And um, it's it would be really hard for anyone to argue because work-life balance is something that is often promoted and encouraged within the workplace, especially within the nonprofit sector. Um, and I, too, work in a nonprofit sector. Um, it would be a similar type of clientele. Um, the part with um, the gentleman... Uh, who is diagnosed with bipolar, what I would recommend is to uh, look into the parameters of the program um, because it, it does sound like they're trying to deny him services. Um, so look into the parameters of the program as to, um, and what I mean by parameters of the program is to find out under what context can a client be denied services under um, what is the premise of the program. So that the premise of the program is homes first and then um, deal with all the other aspects of the situation or it's just going to compound the adverse effect of this person's life. Then once you, once you get those, um, that information together, then you would advocate around the, the organization's mission. And it's going to make it very hard for them to go against their own mission and their and, and their own um, so their own mission statement. So turning their mission statement against them um, is is what I found was often helpful when I came across um, similar types of situations like that. I hope that's helpful. Thank you. Great suggestions. Can I be heard? Oh. Uh, for Black Panther, yes, she was talking to you. Yes, sir. Um, those are great suggestions. Um, I, I was actually taking notes when you were responding. Um, so I just wanted to thank you um, for the feedback. I appreciate it. You're welcome context of white supremacy uh, if other folks have uh, suggestions uh, for Black Panther's uh, situation uh, trying to help 
uh, with the housing component uh, and or his snooping, even that terming they used with uh, with B in Toronto. You're very secretive. Imagine that secretive because I don't come in here with like photographs and a map outlining what my residence looks like and photos of all the clothes that I wear and where I've been all of it. That's that means I'm secretive because I'm not doing it. Come on. Come on. Come on. Uh, let's see folks that we missed totally number again, new number seven, two, zero, seven, one, six, seven, three hundred. The code five, six, four, nine, four, three pound press star six, one. If you would like to participate, uh, let's see other folks who dialed in with a hand up. Uh, if we missed you totally, you have commentary to share suggestions, your own situation. Proceed. Greetings, caller in Florida. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to guests, the hosts, the listeners, and callers. Uh, I'd like to share some reports from the workplace within the last uh, few days and weeks. Um, My first one is uh, actually the first two took place in the break room. Okay, the first is... um, I was walking in, beginning the lunch break, and uh, sometimes someone will have a remote, and they'll be watching, uh, you know, some other type of program. And I noticed that he was watching the, I think the movie is called Amistad, <laughs> and he changed the channel, and he put the remote on the table behind him as though, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm done watching TV or whatever. So... I usually have it turned to the local news. So that was the one I had documented because I could tell. I know I've seen the movie, but it's been a while. Um, I thought I thought that was interesting because it, it reminded me of the, I, know, I think you remember this one, Gus, where my first supervisor, I uh, went to go look for him because I couldn't find a remote. Um, but then when I found it, the batteries was missing. This guy took the batteries out, um, and he changed it to Fox News, just so he was sabotaging and uh, emotionally, you know, or get someone uh, very angry and enraged. But they didn't like the Fox News channel, you know. So that was dedication. Um, this next one is uh, like I have my mask with me, and. Now, you know, when I was finished eating my meal, um, it was already another white person in there, all right, a white woman. So a second white woman comes in, and she sits down. <laughs> so uh, I'm looking down at the phone or whatever, and I'm not really even paying attention to them. So they're talking to each other or whatever, and I put on my mask because it's, you know, it's approaching near the end of the break so I can go up 
upstairs and go back to the desk area. And the white woman I was in there initially, initially says, oh, why, why did you put on your mask? And I looked up at her like, what? And said, yeah, why did you put on your mask? We're not going to come near you. And I said, oh, uh, I'm just trying to stay on point. And I just looked away from him and continued being on my phone. And so she says, oh, you know, I, I was just kidding, you know. Just kidding, okay, just kidding, you know. Um, my third one is I was upstairs and I was dropping off documents that needed to go to the judge's chambers. And the two top white women in that area were uh, the only ones in at the time. So, you know, they've still been splitting up the uh, scheduling since the cases are still going up here in, um, in the county. And I said, so how are y'all doing the schedule this uh, this week? Are you in two days or three days out of the five? She says, well, we're here Monday and Wednesday. And those other two boys are in uh, Thursday and, I think, yeah, Thursday and Tuesday or whatever, and Friday. She said the other two boys. So one of the two boys she's talking about, I can guarantee you, is the black male that was um, told by the Mean Girls clique member if he didn't have her breakfast, get out. Uh, and the other guy is white. So she's, you know, she's a Georgia football fan. She talks about the Southern states and the Confederate flag enthusiasts and all of that genealogy. Uh, I think she's, I don't, don't want to use a metaphor, but I guess I will, close to the female version of my first supervisor. And that is a major racist. I will say, I like the female version of it. Um, you know, Southern accent and everything like that. Uh -huh. Historian and everything. But next one is, I noticed that when I came into the, uh, the courthouse on Tuesday, there was three uh, mean girls click members in front of the elevators. Um, so I didn't want to get on the elevator with them. So I intentionally waited to get my bag off of the machine. And, you know, me and the bailiff, you know, said, all right, have a good one. I'll see you later. So I waited for the next elevator and I get on that and I get off and it looks like they were talking about something. I don't know. I think they were getting their lie together about something. So apparently something has been going on with them. They've been reprimanded, confronted about something. Um, probably something about money. Uh, I don't know all the details really, but what has been incorporated with that is the main one, the main clique member. Okay. Has, uh, when every time she walks by me, not saying anything. Now, a week or two before, there was a consistent pattern of her uh, being emphatic about greeting black people, whether it was me or another black person in the area. She didn't show that same courtesy to anybody else. Now, all this week, 
it's just oh, just walking past. So I said that's interesting. And Wednesday comes, black female comes to work. She walks in and is being loud, uh, loudly speaking to her. Oh, how's it going? It's good to see you. Uh, you know, we have some muffins or some pastry or something, some kind of uh, refreshment, which is disgusting in this uh, time period, bacteria and everything. Um, yeah, you know, we have some things over in the other area. You know, we saved you some. And I'm just shaking my head like, no, don't, don't fall for it. Or don't be deceived. And she goes right along with it. Victim, of course. Um, so that was one that I document. Uh, and my last one is this uh, same victim. They have been speaking about her in uh, very nasty ways. Uh, and it also went to uh, speaking about her in another female, white female in the area. They speak about the both the two of these uh, female employees um, in a, I guess, unprofessional way, saying that they're not doing their work or they're not doing their remote work from home on this program that they use. Okay, so I'm saying that to say with the context that this click member sends an email to the supervisor using me as a way to say that customers, I guess, keep calling back and the calls have been busy every time that my, he put my name every time that he's here at the beginning of the week. And she says, uh, and we're swamped over here and we have a lot to do. So maybe you ought to, uh, get somebody to, to come in and assist him. All right. So, the supervisor replies that I have to take that into consideration and see if I can get, and she named one of the female workers in the area that I'm in. I have to see if she can come in, but it's not confirmed yet. And the black female replies in the thread, Hey, it's busy and <laughs> it's busy in research all of the time. So now this email thread started. So, the white woman, the, the warden, that's the code word, the warden replies in a few uh, sentences, I am not authorizing additional staff to come in Monday through Wednesday. If he is busy, you all can help them. There are nine staff members there today. Um, and this took place after 4th of July, so it was a few weeks ago. So it's a Monday after 4th of July. Maybe that's why it's been so busy. So it took just those sentences from that white woman to just silence everybody. All right. They were going to call in additional people when the people there could have been helping me out. All right. So the reason I'm mentioning that was they tried, in my opinion, they tried to, in some way, I guess, snitch or um, pretty much make an insult or try to see that the black person and the other white person wasn't doing their job. Or they, you know, 
they're being lazy or whatever. So they try to use me as a way to get them to come in so they can watch them physically. I think that's what that was about. Um, and, and it also continued into last week where they were making these racist posts. And I think something happened between the black female and the, of the white female click members. So they had to delete a lot of stuff off of their page. And they started going back to the, the black female's page and liking about everything she posted. Okay. So they turned up their deception even more. Um, just, uh, disgraceful behavior and I will share the next part of it next week and that's all I have for now thanks for allowing me to speak fascinating caller in Florida man um, let me say that again fascinating caller in Florida now we had our Bay Area mom uh, in California surge hotspot as they say Florida hotspot as they say even with the uh, Republican National Convention coming soon now in the midst of all that Ron DeSantis has failed us got us all trembling down here why are we bringing muffins to work what the world I mean, I wouldn't care if they went and got them at the store or if somebody made them. Like, what the hell? Like, uh, not going to take this serious. Just going to keep piling them up. <sighs> I'd said before the Rona, not eating, getting the habit. You did not come to work to eat. Like, if you work a job, you don't even get compensated well enough. You have to hope that they have potluck dinners and offer you some M&Ms at work. You for sure need an exit strategy. But hopefully we all have a job where we do not need to get handouts and scraps at work, even if there is no Rona. That particular thing. Oh, man, look at here. We uh we saved you some of the most tender pieces of the brownie. I'm good. Thank you saved it for me these are the look here these are the same people they won't even leave my water alone and you say like you isolate this has got my name oh yeah i'm good i'm good i'm good i eat dinner lunch d- uh dessert everything i ate all my meals for the day at uh 7 a.m so i'm good till tomorrow i did all my eating for the day uh let's see the man then right there with the uh Take it in Florida again, in Florida hotspot. Uh, so he has his mask on, or dude got his mask with him. You see the group over. I'm putting my mask on. Got the click members. He puts his mask on. What did you put your mask on for? We weren't coming around you. I'm just, you know, staying on point. We got a hotspot in this state. They're laughing and cracking jokes. I'll just choke it up. <laughs> Are we? in the middle of a health crisis like what is going on here like what are you all sitting around making light and all the rest of it why is it even a comment if I put my mask on like it should be bravo it's all make sure we got a mask on anywho uh, even as he described the click members they're going up on the elevator I always think really with the Rona now I thought that's what we were supposed to be doing like 
you know, not doing a whole lot of people crammed in the elevator because you definitely can't distance there. But if it's other yep. suspected, what? Oh, did somebody say something? Oh, okay. If it's other, oh, sus- yep. Yeah, there we. If it's other suspected racists and they're crammed in the elevator, or even of the victims. I would probably wait and get one that's not so crowded. Like, I think they've said that, like, that's just, you know, down with social distancing code. Now, race soldiers are hopping on the elevator. And particularly, these are folks that are known for, you know, throwing drinks in people's faces and instigating all kinds of office conflicts and fisticuffs. I'm going to distance you, too. Even once we get a vaccine or once this is all cured and everything, I'm still going to distance no need to be hanging out that close to you and all that and he said he gets off the elevator and it looks like they got something else being instigated that is being secretive when you got to go around and plot and scheme and send that is being secretive me not wanting to come in and tell you everything I did on my weekend that's not what we're paid for I'm not supposed to be gossiping anyway uh, this is a gang by the way that was having these folks roam around the office like I said they're throwing drinks in people's faces and getting reprimanded for stealing the petty cash or doing something with the cash at work and such like this total gang uh, just go around and intimidate people get in trouble for what they're doing on the lunch break like lawless gang of white women at the courthouse uh, let's see I do remember the uh, remote control and uh, the white fella, I guess, supervisor at the courthouse who puts it on Fox News. Uh, someone probably been accused of sexual misconduct and all the rest. I'm going to turn it to Fox News and then pull the batteries out so it'll be locked on Fox. And I hope that one of the black employees, he'll come in and get riled up, run his blood pressure up. Man, man, we got hypertension. That's one of the comorbidities. And then they sit around and wonder why black people got all these health disparities and uh, upsetting things that you got this type of these type of office shenanigans yes I remember that one and now watching Amistad like how far we've come from Fox News to now Amistad oh my lord eternal oh lord I'm not supposed to even be watching this like let me get something <laughs> like why are we watching Amistad in the courthouse for folks who haven't seen this is uh Anthony Hopkins, uh, Steven Spielberg. It's about a insurrection on a slave ship where they hack up some white people, and then they have to have a trial about all of this. Uh, them hacking up the white people on the ship. But wow, what a choice to be watching in the midst of all this. You got armed white people on every corner, and that's what they're doing. That's their Rona films. They're sitting at home watching Amistad. <laughs> <laughs> thinking that's what's gonna happen. We gotta get, we gotta get more AR-15s. They're gonna take over the ship. We gotta get AR-15s. The boogaloo is coming. Let's see. Uh, the white woman who was doing, she click member. Uh, so she, I guess, for a few weeks, you know, Black Lives Matter. I'm a, every colored boy in the office. I'm gonna speak to. How you doing? Colored gals, colored boys. I'm speaking to everybody. That week ended. Eh. Like, dang, wait a minute. I thought we were cool. We're not homies. No, you're not. She definitely doesn't speak to you. We already know you're a troublemaker, but I mean, dang, like, it was just for a couple of days you were inspired, and now do not be vo- And that's another one where I say in the workplace, that type of thing, 
I'm not moved from my code at all. I'm not speaking because I thought this, let's say she's Jill. I'm not speaking because I thought Jill and I were cool. That's not my white sister. I just speak because that's my code in the workplace. Morning, evening, morning, it, that's it. Nothing else. Speak to everybody. Cordial workplace professionalism. We keep it moving. That way my feelings are not hurt. This person decides they don't want to speak anymore. And maybe that's part of their code. I ignore all the niggers. You're beneath all of you are beneath me. You know, no problem there. I <laughs> just go about my code. Just when you understand, I think better what white supremacy racism is, what it means to be white. You're not offended. You're not like personally hurt. Like, wow, jail doesn't even speak. I thought, what's going on? Like, it, 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 nah, nah. <laughs> Understood. Got all that. Jill was tacky before. She was tacky when she speaks. In fact, I prefer she doesn't say anything. That way I know what it all is. I just speak because that's my code. Uh, Let's see. Well, as we're almost out of time, I'll stop there. But the courthouse, always amazing study in white supremacy. Hopefully we can at least get that portion passed to other victims. No eating on the job. I don't care what in this particular date. Oh, we saved a slice for you. We saved a muffin for uh, I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> uh, other folks, anything else they need to get in before we conclude? Suggestion, comment, idea? Hi, Gus. Be in Toronto. Yes, I, I wanted to to add some some other uh, suggestions for uh, Black Panther, if I may. Um, so the other thing is um, use phrases like "you." I want to stable, stabilize a destabilizing situation, and losing housing for this client will be a destabilization or a destabilizing situation. Um, for him. Uh, also, if you're asked why are you pressing this issue, then your response can be, I provide high-quality service delivery, and that is part of my core professional compass. End of story. Don't need to explain anymore. Um, you can also add that you are um, demonstrating resiliency, which is a value of the organization. As well, um, I would also suggest to reach out to community partners such as mental health advocates and collaborate with them so that the situation doesn't fall solely on you. Um, And if you happen to be successful in your exit strategy before you see the conclusion of the situation, then at least you're rest assured that there are external parties that are still advocating on behalf of this client to ensure that they'll have the housing and the services um, that the client deserves. Also, look for support programs. um, And, of course, you would be corresponding with your client and seeking consent um, to see if they feel comfortable in those those support programs. So then um, tackles can be... uh, uh, matters can be tackled as to the underlying issues as to why he is acting this way towards females. It could be that the gentleman was molested. It could be that he was brutalized by females, and something must have happened in his life that has a, has created that 
negative representation. Um, what your benefit would be from doing all of this is that you'd be collaborating with community partners, um, which will aid in, in networking for other opportunities. You'd be demonstrating resiliency, and you'll also be uh, showing advocacy as well. So those were just some of the uh, things that I wanted to add. And again, use the organization's mission statement against them as they are seeking to deny this client um, access to services. Uh, thank you, and I leave the line. Excellent suggestion. I love, love, love using the verbiage of destabilizing and then using the organization's language, their mission state probably against them and trying to help this client. Uh, do we have somebody that we missed totally who had a hand up? Make sure we get them in before we run out of time. Was there someone we missed totally? Okay. Yes, ma'am. Can you uh, speak yes, up? Please? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Can you speak up, please? Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. It's, uh, Hi, I'm not this sure is Golden from Ohio. Are you on like speakerphone or Bluetooth? Me? Maybe it sounds like you're a little choppy. Um, um, speak. Hold on. Let me click. Hello. Can you hear me? Sound better. Yes, ma'am. Let's hear it. Hello. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. We can hear. Great. You. This is Golden calling from Ohio, and. I had a couple things, but I'll go to the main one, which started today as far as COVID safety in the workplace. I've had the misfortune to be at work for the four months of the pandemic. And as things have opened up, we've gotten more cases starting to come into the office. However, we're not being notified of that. The one that happened this week, someone went and got tested while they were on vacation. They were sick last week on vacation, posted all on Facebook. Should I go get a COVID test? Well, they got the test, then lied about the results, came back to work this week, got a call at work saying they were positive and had to immediately leave. Now, this person came through my area, but they also lied and said they hadn't been anywhere else in the building. We have a pretty large building. So um, it just kind of dawned on me today, this happened Tuesday, that things weren't adding up. And I was thinking, where is everybody at? And they're like, you don't know? And I was like, no, I know. People are on vacation and, you know, people are just grabbing days left and right. So come to find out, this person got the call at work and they had the people that were in the room step out for about 10 minutes, did a deep clean in 10 minutes, and employees were supposed to go back in and work. Well, of course, the people in that area said, um, I, you know, I really can't concentrate now. So they haven't been back to work the rest of the week. I'm not sure when the positive person will come back. But um, I kind of got upset. I was thinking, well, I'm not going to talk to my supervisor or his manager because they just kind of downplay, like, oh, you'll be okay. We have a number 
to where we can report it, but I'm going to go to the op. I've been thinking about it all day. I think my, what I'll do is go to the operations manager and discuss my concerns with her with how now we're getting more positive cases, but we're not being notified. People are not following protocols, and perhaps we need to increase some of those protocols. We don't get temperature checked. We do wear masks, supposedly, but people don't. The person who was positive came and stood in my area and talked about how bad he felt and how sick he was without a mask on. So, understandably, for about an hour this morning, I was just really upset and, you know, not understanding why we're not being notified so I think that'll be my step on Monday to uh, to kind of uh, address the issues and think that we need to increase our our safety measures or consequences of people who come into the office and knowingly don't reveal that they've gone and had a test or that they've been around people and then potentially expose us. And I'm, I would say probably within the last month, it's been at least uh, half a dozen to a dozen people that they've told to self-quarantine and do like a 10-minute deep clean once again. But, of course, that doesn't do much in the way of cleaning. With all this, keep in mind there are people we've worked the whole time in probably about a week and a half ago, there's thousands of employees across this whole footprint. I work in the financial services. The people at home, their stay at home has been extended past Labor Day. However, we're in the office and safety is going downhill, but they're keeping the people at home out for another two months. So we're getting stretched into like six, almost seven months of daily having to go into work, be around people, just the stress of it all. So um, I think if anybody has any suggestions on how to word that, um, that would be good. Um, and also the job has provided, they have given the illusion of providing us benefits. They've provided us free meals now. We'll get free meals we got before, and they stopped them when they thought everyone was coming back. Since other people are going to be at home and we have to be there for six months, they're going to give us free meals. Our dress code is relaxed. I'm not sure what that's going to do. And um, they reset sick time. Um so some people who've used up all their sick time, they're going to get an additional. So before this happened, what I did was max out my sick time, too. So I get additional days. So those of us who have been at work, if you've been at work and not taken sick time, you're just going to get, say, seven days. People who've used up seven days get that seven days and get another seven or eight days dumped into their time. So I think that's another in inequity I'm seeing with people who 
use more company time or use COVID time and things like that. Um, also, they've uh, with school possibly getting ready to open, they've uh, come up with additional resources for people to use as far as uh, child care. They're going to offer emergency child and elder care to uh, people. If you have like a caregiver who can't watch a parent or something. So they're doing a lot of things in my estimation to get people into work, but you're getting into work and the safety from my perspective while we're there and the people that we're around, that's being lax. So they're they're doing a lot of stuff to, hey, we'll feed you. You can come in sweat clothes. Uh, you know, just all kind of craziness. But when it comes to notifying us about the actual instances or occurrences and breaches, that's where they're falling short, in my opinion. Um, and one more thing real quick. Post George Floyd, the company, of course, came out with a couple statements. They reiterated our core values. Um, they did the um, tacky thing during the week of Juneteenth. They decided on Monday, hey, on Friday, we're going to shut down at 2 o'clock. And um, I kind of pressed the issue with that and said, well, how are we going to make this so that all employees across all shifts get to take part, whether you're at work or not. So we had a couple of discussions about that, and they offered to make everyone get a three-hour pass to be off during that time. So I was slightly happy about that. They, they did a mural here also, our... My employer sponsored or, you know, came out really large as a corporate sponsor on that. I thought that was a little um, just incorrect. They talked about driving inclusion through resources. They've come up with a inclusion toolkit for awareness and advocacy on racial equity. And then they dropped a the latest one. They've given us a unconscious bias training to provide awareness and knowledge that we're required to take on LinkedIn. And um, I guess still open more discussions. So it's uh, if it's just not COVID, it's the being the barrage of, you know, they're really wanting to talk and give us resources and, you know, just kind of beat us over the head with how, you know, how much they appreciate non-white people <laughs> and out in there much obliged uh thank you for sharing um i would snitch that is something that is being secretive you have information about employees who might have contracted the virus or at minimum have symptoms and you're not telling other people you're dilly-dallying sitting around wait we talked about that you have information but you don't share in a timely manner and then talk mentioned that at the beginning of the program what did i say ned is sick he's been out for three days and it's like huh they on vacation and then what did she say 
Oh, you didn't know? You didn't hear my life? How does that happen consistently? It doesn't matter where, what the bad circumstances are. Who was the last person to find out important information? The Negra. You didn't know? Oh, my goodness. Charlie's got the Rona. Incidentally, I will say, uh, I think I've said it a lot uh, this year. Black self-respect Man, doing as much as we can from a weak position to try to keep ourselves safe. I've said sometimes that might be manifested in social distancing. Back up. Uh, this fellow you said hanging out in your area with no mask. We've heard so much of that. Of these white people being on jobs and not taking it seriously. Not wearing a mask. Like I said, running around doing chest bumps and high fives with everybody. Man, that's you. Fine. Social distancing. There's no read. I think some other listeners said they used that. They had white people who were coming up and wanting to talk to them. Oh, man, you think it's going to be a basketball season? I sure do miss the leg. Like, whoa, social distancing. You're going to vote for President Trump? Who do you think Biden's going to be? Social distancing. Back up. Like, get out of my cubicle, out of my office, all of the above. Like, social distancing. Uh, be serious about that if that me and look at that the tactic didn't I just say that about food we're not coming on the job to eat I just said that the caller in Florida and then they'll come back and we brought M&M's for everybody M&M's for everybody for the rest of the year come on hope again same thing I said before hopefully we're all being compensated well I, I, I go to the grocery store thank you I, I have lots of food no problem I, I have all the calories I need I, I appreciate it I don't even like M&M's but thank you it would be great if you could let me know if some of our uh, co-workers have been contaminated that would be nice don't need a meal plan thank you we don't need free lunch at all thank you and the same thing with we, we're not going to tell you if some of our family members isn't that what they say our family members team members are ill might have the Rona but we bought Cheetos and chicken sandwiches for everybody, and you can now wear sweatshirts. Incidentally, I am not a fan of, uh, if they're going to have a dress code in the workplace, I'm not a fan of it being relaxed. In my experience, I've worked in work environments where they have a dress code. What happens when it gets relaxed? Oh, man. Generally, it is not cool. And particularly now, I'm not interested in seeing a whole lot of MAGA shirts or any of the rest of it. Like... Let's just stick with the dress code. Wear what we normally wear to work. Like, yeah. Anywho, uh, and especially now, because it's only like five people in the office. Like, people are really let loose with, you know. They might have the whole MAGA ensemble. Wear their MAGA onesie and uh, MAGA romper. (laughs) Let it ride all the way through. Um, We did overtime. So, yes, we are done. If folks have uh, suggestions, comments, you can email and we will share. We'll be here tomorrow. Compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. White dog. White dog. My goodness. We might even have an extra session with a guest uh, with white dog threatening Gus T's top 10. I cannot believe it. A book about a racist hound is threatening the top 10. Anywho, uh, we'll be here at 24 hours. Much obliged to everyone's participation. Who, much obliged to everyone who participated. Hope it was worthy of your Friday evening. Sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy. 
We need our brain computer working at maximum efficiency. Lots of chaos on the planet right now. We need to be making quality, sober decisions. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled. I'll just back again. We should be in the house. I just, they were uh, drag racing up and down the road where I live earlier this week. In addition to, you know, Portland is three hours from me. They got the federal troops. Uh, The president has been threatening my city uh, for the past month or so, two months now. Uh, Lots of reasons to be in the house, armed white people. I forgot about the Rona. Lots of reasons to just stay in the house uh, for the time being, especially if you're in the States. If you are going to go out, you should be very vigilant. If it looks like a white person is getting hostile, aggressive about anything, this trip is done, especially you are an attempted parent. Oh, yeah, this trip, because it's been so many reports where attempted parents with their children, even very young children, have been attacked, had a gun pointed at them and all the rest of it. Anything looks like a white person is getting hostile or this could be unsafe. This is done. Go back home. Try it again another day. But no need to take any risks, any chances. It's just been such a extraordinarily dangerous and violent year from beginning all the way to right now, the cusp of August, hottest part of the summer, they say. Uh, In addition, uh, so if we are going to go out, got to be worthwhile, but you are sober, buckled. If you are driving, you are not on the cell phone. Number one, we're going to be super vigilant, so we need to be paying attention. Number two, we want to do all we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That's it, creator. We ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to display the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately cows signing out Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, no brother. Problem. You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.